Welcome to The Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And my name is Daniel. And this is the first episode of 2019. That's right, y'all. You made it. Pat yourself on the back and crack open a beer. How you feeling, man? We got through the the fucking year-long war. Yeah, I'm feeling, I mean, pretty okay. It was was a year measured in in loot boxes where the days were as long as my open-world experiences and my days were as equally gray. (laughs) (laughs) You know? a way to put it yeah it's a way to put it it was a tumultuous year this episode's going to be kind of a dissemination of different parts of the year because mm-hmm. this is like our top five and that's a little misleading because it's kevin's top five and daniel's top five and then we co-mingle and we got to do some hard science after the fact and fi- figure out the data of what the save room's top game of 2018 yeah. is. it was a lot of number crunching a lot of games we had a thousand games on the list more than we got a thousand. it down to at least 12 we did they were all eShop games <laughs> every single one of them have you looked at that shit lately we looked at that yesterday right we were looking at the sales we talk about online marketplaces especially for like xbox and ps4 needing good curation i don't know how we did it but two years in we fucking abandoned that on the nintendo switch <laughs> it's gone dog it's gone nintendo's like we have our own version of steam let's milk it there is not just a game for every f- taste there's a game for every year of human history <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't billions make, of years of games there's so many fucking like five dollar games a lot of them look like little ripoffs of like different games and such listen we had to know this was coming we had to know when we talked about it like over the summer i was like 20 yeah. plus games a week on the eShop. that's too much there's no way to handle that and it's a glut that's it, what it is. It's a glut. It, it is a glut. Here's hoping in 2019, Nintendo cleans up their eShop. Nintendo, we can clean it up for you, man. We'll get in there with some... We're going to need some machetes and weed killer. <laughs> get in there and just fucking hack out all the games. We'll get the job done. It'll be a real yeah. old-fashioned hack and slash. It's going to be good. So, oh, I love hack and slash. Yeah. So any... Real quick, any notable accomplishments for you, for us, for 2018? On paper, yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to make me feel accomplished about things because of that lifelong depression that's been following me. It's true. Um, I've had a few accomplishments. I started a new job this year within the same company. Mm-hmm. I'm in a different kind of team now. And then I got promoted within that team very recently. So I know those are hoorah accomplishments. Yeah, most people work their entire life for shit like that. And you did it without even thinking about it. Yeah, I still don't think about it. I'm not thinking about it right now. What, what I really feel accomplished about is actually getting um, pretty consistent with this podcast. Mm-hmm. We've had more or less an episode a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. That sometimes happens. Less. That happened. That's fine. Uh, it's hard to juggle this and full-time jobs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, especially since this is kind of a, a free endeavor. It's a, uh, what do you call it? A passion. A passion project. A hobby, if you will. A hobby. But I would say coming off of the beginning of 2018, where we weren't even doing this any year, we kind of put it to bed for six months. Yeah, we and did. And we came back to it in, in March and then real hard in April in may when we moved to this new place and no I'm, I'm proud of like the cadence we've gotten we've gotten better at it we've gotten more confident with it and i've loved the work we put in this year so far or last year rather i agree it's been a lot of fun actually mm-hmm. it's it's been cool to keep up with the trends and meet different people like we've, we've also done like a dabble a little bit of streaming over the year and yeah we've met plenty of people through that too uh we'll have a bigger like shout out at the end of the episode for all the people that have supported us throughout mm-hmm. the year but like it's been cool yeah because as much as this episode is going to be really like masturbatory and us stroking ourselves for what we aggrandizing there you go about all mm-hmm. the stuff that we loved we did we played there's a big shout out to you guys because you guys made this year really special to us for sure even if you hate our opinions 
RE6 is one of the best games ever made. So you're just going to have to take that. Shout out to that. Shout out to RE6. (laughs) Game of the year 28. So we have a, like a, an interesting, this is going to be a numbered episode, but it's not going to be structured regularly. No news this, this go. There was no news this week. What are you talking about? Yeah. End of the year is kind of dull for that. Yeah. We're we're recording on New Year's Day. Happy New Year to all y'all. All is quiet on New Year's Day. (laughs) I I can't do it. Yeah. It's hard. (laughs) But yeah, so no news. Um, I'm going to shout out some of the free games for, for January on PlayStation Xbox. And then we kind of thought it would be fun to do the Game Awards thing, but not, and make our own superlatives. We have some save room superlatives that we want to give out to the industry mm-hmm. and uh, to some, some some gamers out in the community. Yeah. I think it's going to be a, it's gonna be a lot, of, lot of fun for everybody. It's going to be a lot of good fun. We just needed a way to kind of keep ourselves on, real, on, uh, on a rail and uh, oh, highlight wow. the year somehow. Yeah, don't let us freeform anything ever. No. That's been the biggest lesson in these episodes. <laughs> Where everybody's like, hey, get less structured, write less. It's like, no, we kind of need those those posts to keep us guided. And- <laughs> we try to convince people, like, they don't see or hear that there are at least three takes of a couple of episodes that have happened this year mm-hmm. in different parts. Because, like, halfway through, we were like, is this a shit show? <laughs> and the answer is, like, Yes. Or we do another take and it's like, ooh, I think we like the first take that we thought was shitty. For as decent as the end product comes out in the <laughs> end, honestly, there are a lot of takes, a lot of edits, and a lot of reshoots, if you will, re-recordings. They're reshoots, man. Yeah, They're reshoots sure. for sure. Yeah. But it's worth it in my mind. I I love doing this and I love making content and I love having people engage with it. I mean, I know we're we're at the bottom of the stratosphere. We're 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 in orbit somewhere. We're not even a satellite. We're kind of like a little meteor right that's like i want to be yeah. in orbit yeah but it's been cool thank yeah. you all we also have obviously our game of the year list uh that we're gonna cap the episode with we're gonna do some honorable mentions mm-hmm. we're gonna kind of do back and forth it's gonna be like mario tennis aces but with video game titles so i'm gonna like do mine you'll do yours and then back and forth <laughs> is that the only example of back and forth in video games you have i guess there's pong there is pong isn't there huh yeah. <laughs> I love where you went with it, though. Daniel, before we get to the rest of this very excellent episode that hasn't happened yet because we're recording it right now, I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. do you have any resolutions for 2019? Let me be specific, friend. Do you have any gaming resolutions for 2019? Because that's all that matters to me. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I do have a lot of solid regular resolutions, which you don't need to know about because that's not important. Don't care. Gaming resolutions? I guess uh, I got a backlog I want to work through. Honestly, I I need to beat Breath of the Wild to redeem my my Zelda credential card for the year. Ooh, it's been backlogged for a while now. Yeah, it's been sitting on that one for... Almost two years now. I got. I got to finish it. Jumping Jehoshaphat, and then another one that's been there for as long, if not longer. Horizon Zero Dawn. I need to go back and finish that. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. I know. Wait, I know. Wait, we're in twenty nineteen. That came out in February. We were playing that at the same time when yeah. it came out, yeah. Daniel. Yeah. You didn't beat that one. No. What happened? Life happened. Life happened. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. I fully recommend that you go back to that one. That was my, that was the game that fucked me up on Breath of the Wild, actually. Yeah. Because it came out at the same time and I was like, I prefer Horizon. And people were like, you're the fucking biggest idiot in gaming. And I'm like, I like it. I shifted to Breath of the Wild and then we moved and I didn't finish either. And then when I picked up uh, Horizon again, it was a few months later and I got further. I got a lot further, actually, but I never picked it up after that point. So are you putting Nier on that backlog? Nier Automata? Nier's on there. um, My copy of Nier, I should mention. Your copy of Nier, for sure. I need to get in there and finish that. And I honestly, I would like to go back and give Neo a full shake. 
Yeah, actually, that one I got maybe halfway through. Yeah. I do want to play that before, uh, I believe they're calling it Neo the Second One. Oh, the sequel. Comes out. The sequel. For a few ninjas more. I think it's the the squeakquel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the only other, I don't know, resolution I got on there is play more games that I actually enjoy long term. Like, just because, like, I'm playing a game and invested in it. Like, I learned this with Fallout. If I don't like something, I don't have to fully commit to it. I can just put it away and be like, okay, that was that experience for me. I don't need to mindlessly waste my time with games that don't serve me well but if you didn't force your way through red dead you wouldn't have uh, began to enjoy it the way yeah. that you were now, I, I agree mostly i agree with your argument if you don't enjoy something fuck what anybody else says fuck anybody giving you shit about it mm-hmm. put it down dude there's not enough time in this short short lifespan that we all have it's true go play the things you enjoy man don't force yourself on like red dead because everyone's fucking masturbating over it you know exactly and i guess the final one i want i finally want a platinum overwatch Oh, man. Still one trophy away, so. You've been a cunt hair away for a while on that one. 2019 resolution here? Can we not say cunt hair? <laughs> Why? Anymore. <laughs> he looked at me the moment I said it. <laughs> but I don't know. How about you? Any resolutions? Any hopes for 2019? Oh, any resolutions. Okay, I, I gotta look inward on this one. Mm. Um, I, I feel like my gaming habits are gonna be pretty similar. I'm gonna play what interests me and go hard in the ones that pull me the hardest Mm -hmm. makes sense right of course but otherwise i think i need to practice being a little more positive about this gaming sphere that we're a part of you're gonna become kevin positive gaming no i'm not gonna become kevin positive gaming not to that extent thank you very much but i you know this year i i've been very reactionary to Mm -hmm. a lot of the shit that i hear yeah i think rightfully so i mean the raimi suit thing come on Mm -hmm. fucking the reaction to diablo immortal dude what what are we doing Uh, apparently people wanted grinch and super smash brothers i don't know what that means all of it just seems like things that just kind of made my blood pressure spike and my doctor told me you need to cut whatever you're doing out Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay all right. No, it's true. A few times this year, you went Super Saiyan on, on, the, the, on the gamers. Apparently in the last episode. you know. Uh, yeah, okay. Maybe I called the gamers jabronis. Mm-hmm. Maybe I did that. But, you know, sometimes it's justified. For sure. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to celebrate the good aspects of gaming and the good actors in the community, I think. You of know, course. Nothing can get me down. I don't think there's a single thing. And I think going forward, uh, <laughs> the gamers are going to only be better. I think so, too. Have you heard, though? What's up? About the Gamer Awards? Uh, game Awards? No, a Gamer words what are gamer words oh god this is really gonna piss them off what so so gamer words um are words that some people have deemed well we'll put this in the context okay there's this one guy right you know pewdiepie everybody knows pewdiepie he got in trouble for you know making a racial slur back in the day and somebody on the internet was uh talking about him and just saying how he was using his gamer word oh oh Daniel, it's day fucking one. It's day fucking one in this year, Daniel. Yeah. Are you fu- you telling me that racial slurs are gamer words? They're ga- they're gamer words. That's what this ran- that what gonna- that's what this random jabroni was trying to tell people. He was just using his gamer word. It's okay. It wasn't a slur. I can't. I can't with these jabronis, dude. <laughs> They're absolute jabronis. Oh, he's going off again. He's going off again. Fuck, we can't start the year this way. Jesus Christ. Oh. I want you to look up a word for me. Okay. It's Japroni. It's what you are. All of you. <laughs> All of you. <laughs> well, in 2019, we're hoping for less gamer words oh. and worse and less reasons for Kevin to go off on the handle. What are they going to do? It's going to be the 14 words of Konami going forward or some shit like that. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> the 14 one? words of Konami. <laughs> you think that one's a little too hard? <laughs> 
Uh, no, I saw that thread. It was stupid as fuck. Yeah. Like, are you serious? Like, what? And he's like, oh, you know, it's just kind of standard in the community. No, it's not. It's standard amongst racists. It's true. It's it's very true. <laughs> that, that would be the, the standard for racists, sir. The fact that people are willing to look aside of it and just be like, no, it's not a racial slur. He's just saying the words that gamers get in trouble for. It's like, well, he's getting in trouble for it because it's not a word you should be using and it's a, it's not appropriate. I don't care what sort of followers you have. You know, it's just one of those gamer words they get in trouble for. Let's take a look at these. Oh, wow. There's a lot of bigotry. <laughs> there's a lot of sexism in these words. Reddit. This year, can you guys put together a big compendium, the Oxford Please Gamer don't. Word Dictionary, so I know what's acceptable and what isn't? Actually, no, fuck that. I should know. You should know. So my my community on twitch.tv slash the Red Herb convinced me to get stream elements, which lets you do like overlays mm-hmm. on your stream and also uh, chat filters okay. and things like that. You can have chat commands and stuff, and there's also like uh, band keywords and such. Um, in 2019, because of the gamers, that ban section is going to be like 4,000 fucking words. <laughs> like it's, it's going to be like the bot's going to be in overdrive. It's like, I can't, it's going to choke. It's so going to choke it. in the gamer world. We have to fucking stop them somehow. <laughs> we got, that's my resolution for 2019. Stop the gamers. <laughs> we need to quell this uprising. Okay. That is the save rooms prerogative for 2019 save room stop the uprising well thank you for sharing a little more sharing in the spirit of the new year like we said before we got some free games coming to you so i'm just gonna run down this list real quick so we can get into the meat and potatoes of this episode because 2019's got me hungry okay okay I think you're just hungry i'm just hungry all right so i got your free ps plus games for january steep coming out on ps4 can i stop you real quick mm. why why steep i mean it was destined to be a free ps plus game of course that was its destiny when it rolled out of the gate for 60 dollars. Mm-hmm. okay but i gotta tell you i gotta tell you i think the time has passed for any kind of snowboarding games post ssx tricky like we're done either you're gonna give us ssx tricky and i don't mean ssx3 i don't mean whatever that remake they did was okay. you give us tricky again and that's all that we want from extreme snowboarding I can't disagree. Okay. I can't disagree at all. Maybe if we get a PS2 Classic, it'll be on there. (laughs) Actually, no, I'm not going to hold my breath for that one. Sony fucked up too hard already. Honestly, it's probably cheaper to just get a PS2. Those Uh, things are like so ubiquitous and out in the wild that whatever re-edition they come out with, I could probably go to a fucking retro game shop and get it for like 40 bucks and be fine. That's fair. Yeah, you're right. It was was bound to be free. I mean, I guess there Mm. there isn't a market for open world snowboarding games. I'm doing it again. I got to start positive, Daniel. I got to start positive this year. I'm sorry. I can't come at these games. This sounds very exciting to have for free for snowboarding fans post SSX tricky. I'm proud of you. That took a lot and you're breaking out, but you know, it's fine. Another game we got on here before Kevin loses it is Portal Knights. Not Hollow Knight, not Shovel Knight, Portal Knights. Not even Portal. Not even Portal. (laughs) PS4. We're doing it again. No, we gotta be <laughs> positive in 2019, Daniel. To the PS3, we got Zone of the Enders HD Collection. Ooh. What was, a, what was like a hack and slash robot game that was on the PS3, PS2? That is one way to okay. demean the legacy of Hideo Kojima's other game franchise. Okay. His one other game franchise. Okay. Um, yeah, it's sort of like that, just robot mech action. It was mm. smooth and fluid and kind of arcadey. This is not cross-buy, I see. There is Zone of the Enders second runner on PS4, but I think because of the VR component baked in, maybe that's why it's not... Maybe. Nah. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought nah. about that. 
Another one on here is Amplitude. I've heard a lot of great things about Amplitude. Yeah, Tim, th- that was the one before Guitar Hero, right? Yeah, the, Tim Geddes is a big proponent for that. I think he called it like one of his favorite games of all time. He, he straight up said that he is unnaturally good at that game. Like, nobody can trump him at that game. Hmm. I believe it. When somebody says something like that, I just go like, oh. I mean, coming from watch. 30 under th- 30, Tim Geddes, the guy who beat Cuphead, I'll believe him. You know? No one beat Cuphead. He beat Cuphead. He beat Cuphead? Yeah. I don't even think they made like a an achievement for when you beat the game because they knew no one would. <laughs> they knew it was impossible. <laughs> we also got Super Mutant Alien Assault coming to the Vita, as well as Legion Fallen Flames of Rebellion coming to Vita through Crossbuy with PS4. So, some games there, you know, if, you, if you're feeling like you need to pinch some pennies after the holidays. That's exactly what he says when he has no feelings about the list of games that they've released. Just admit it. This is a shitty way to roll out PS Plus in 2019. I'm sorry. Nothing about this screams like, oh yeah, I'm so glad I have Plus. (laughs) No, but I got something on here that makes me wish I had an Xbox. So we got the Xbox Ooh. Games with Gold list on here, and for Xbox One in January, we have Celeste coming for free. Yep. That's cool. That's what should have happened on PS Plus. The, the fucking most talked about game coming out of award season, mm-hmm. and Xbox has it for free. I don't know how they snagged that one. Come on, Sony. Come on. I don't know. I haven't seen a price drop on it since uh, before the holidays, so cool. What's it sitting at? I think we saw 20 bucks, right? No, I think it's still at 25 25 Okay. Yeah, $24.99. So. Right on, right on. I still want it, still interested, but I'm going to wait. Uh, another game on here is Laura Croft and the Guardian of Light coming to Xbox One January 1st to the 15th. Perpetually on the free list for Xbox Gold and, and That's what PS I Plus. I don't know why. I feel like I've shouted it out at least twice this year. Are they trying to say, like, we literally just, we can't even get rid of this game? <laughs> This one on here is a bit of a, it's going to be a word fuck for me. WRCFIA World Rally Championships, Xbox One, January 16th. I'm going to assume racing. Yeah, definitely. I, anything with rally in it is either yeah. a racing game or a race game. <laughs> <laughs> or a party game on the Wii. So, gotcha. okay. And then the last one on here is Far Cry 2 coming to Xbox 360, January 16th. Very different game than what Far Cry is these days. Yeah. Yeah, Far Cry 2. A lot of people, um, there's a vocal contingent of video game dude bros that go on about how Far Cry 2 is the best one because it was the smartest with its implementation and its survival features and blah, 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 blah. I played it and thought it was kind of whack because it took 400 bullets to take down an enemy. I was like, I'm not really feeling this. This doesn't feel (laughs) like that's okay for like Halo. doesn't seem okay when I'm like fighting some mercenaries and local militia and shit. 3 is the one that changed it to what Ubisoft's formula is now okay essentially but hey if you want to check it out it's free that's cool mm-hmm. all right well i guess we're rolling into it like we said we had we have somewhat of a shorter episode though i know we're gonna get fucking rabbit holed by something on our list here probably but we wanted to come up with a save room superlatives of the year for y'all do you want to go like back and forth on this let's do it because this one was kind of funny to conceive we were just like every award show every award season has superlatives we don't want to do it like that. We want to have ones that really matter to the gamers. Mm-hmm. So number one on the list is uh, most likely to enter a lawsuit in 2019. <laughs> Holy shit. And the winner is Soulja Boy Tellum. Holy shit. For his line of Soulja game consoles. Do we have a follow-up to that? We actually do have a follow-up. Okay. I wrote this and then not a couple days later, he has pulled down his 
fucking boy line consoles <laughs> from his his web store that he had there okay. because uh nintendo was not a fucking fan now i i do want to if you want to go back to our previous episode we talked about these soldier game systems mm-hmm. and i believe mr tellum's exact words verbatim on twitter which he later deleted was nintendo ain't gone do shit well <laughs> he also told them they can eat a dick well he sold the fans to eat a dick okay. and then he said thanks for the free promo Hmm. Yeah, so I feel like we were pre-prescient <laughs> in this in this endeavor, but you fuck with Nintendo, you're gonna get Waluigi's horns. I couldn't think of a horn Nintendo character. You get this. I can only think of a horny one. Bowser. <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah, that's, a, that's an easy Speaking one. Speaking of Bowser and Bowser, this was the year of like horny video game characters. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we didn't put that. The horniest video game character of 2018. Cool. What, what, who, who, who would you give that to? The character that people were horniest for was probably Bowser. Bowser, you're yeah, right. People, I, that yeah. would be my winner. The second one would be uh, the, the quiet man from the quiet man. <laughs> He's a horny, horny sort of No, guy. that's like whiskey dick immediately. Like, nobody was getting hard to the quiet man. <laughs> You're right, though. Oh, shit. Hey, I just made up a superlative. Okay. Uh, whiskey dick game of the year goes to the quiet man. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, Square Enix. We're sorry. We don't have any other awards to give you, so. They should be sorry, too. That's it. We got number two on here. Holiest gaming moment of the year. When Phil Spencer, Reggie Fizeme, and Sean Layden walked on the stage together at the Game Awards. A holy moment. Did you feel shook? Sir, I felt shook. I mean, people were screaming for, you know, cross-platform, so they gave it to us. I wanted them to turn on each other. <laughs> I still want kind of a celebrity deathmatch situation. That's what I'm the, saying. Where the three of them go at it. I, I wanted it to be like, oh, wow, that's amazing that they that Jeff Keighley collected these, these prominent figures in gaming that represent the different console makers. Mm-hmm. And then you see the cage slowly descend. <laughs> he was right. Worlds are going to change. There's only going to be one console going into the new year. <laughs> Whoever wins. Uh, it's it. Who will be the conglomeration casualty tonight? <laughs> Gaming Battle Royale. Uh, I mean, that was cool. People lost their shit, and I'm just like, I'm pretty sure they've, these, they've met one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I, have we not had a photo op with these fucking guys before? Not that I know of. Okay, I don't think it's illegal for them to show up in the same place at the same time. Yeah, I don't think there are any contracts that don't permit them from doing yeah, it. Yeah, I don't... Okay, because like, we all thought they were going to announce something crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. But they just came out and were like, okay, well, enjoy tonight. It would have been pretty like world-breaking if they were like, hey, here are some exclusives that are going to be cross-plot for the first time ever. Right, right. Well, maybe they come out on stage and be like, hey, uh, fuck, what would it be? <laughs> yeah, that's why they didn't do it. There'd be no game. Fortnite's already done it. Mm-hmm. What other fucking sensational game? Smash Brothers is playable for the first time on the Xbox One and PS4. Like, that's not going to happen. That'd be cool. No, they just showed up. They they wore their $5,000 suits together, and it was a good time. We all smiled. Is that how they opened the show? That's how they opened the show. Okay. Yeah. They came out there, and then you could see the Triforce come down from the sky. It was amazing. Who would be which, which part? Who would be... I would say that Spencer is definitely Courage, because he has the courage to release a console with no exclusives. Layden would be power. (laughs) Layden would be power. Definitely power plays left and right. And then uh fils may they I, he has the wisdom he's got the wisdom he's got the, <laughs> he's got the nintendo wisdom nintendo's been around more than a hundred years at this point starting started as a trading card company mm-hmm. yeah that's the wisdom right there <laughs> i like it <laughs> okay number three the most charming game developer of the year now there is a few mm-hmm. there is a few but the one that won my heart 
Corey Balrog from Sony Santa Monica. What was the what was the thing that did it for you? Was it the kind of tell all behind the scenes talk about God of War on kind of funny, or yes. was it just seeing him on Twitter? Okay, it was actually a twofer on that one. There was one interview that he did, kind of funny. That was a great one. And then there's another interview that I saw where he was with the cast and talking about the game. And like he, they all treated him like he was their best friend and their dad all mm-hmm. at once. It's like you can't help but feel that dude's presence in a room. He's so excitable about what he does. And he came out on the Game Awards and was just like, we're all sitting here and just saying like we didn't think we could even pull this off and here we are with like game of the year and it's such an endearing and kind of encouraging story you Mm -hmm. know it's like look this dude who made the biggest fucking game of the year didn't even think he could pull it off no i love this guy it's an incredibly humbling story especially from a studio who has put out like great hits before but we never expected them to have the sort of comeback yeah a comeback story and then like totally reboot God of War, mm-hmm. make it modern and make it good, but still have the DNA of what we liked from before. Like, God damn, it's a balancing act. Yeah. And Corey was the centrifugal part of all of this. Um, and yes, his Twitter interactions where he's very vocal, very engaging with the fans, mm-hmm. calls people out when they need to be called out. And then he promotes people when he feels like they're doing good shit. Corey, you're a sweet man. I always love seeing him celebrate other um, Sony exclusives being released, where he'll do like Kratos and Atreus, like shouting out like Spider Man or something like that. Yeah, that's true. I love that too, I, especially the Sony Santa Monica account yeah. with all the fan art and stuff. And also, how many how many game developers out there had their daddy do a novel adaptation of your game? D- none. That's actually none. a good point. I forgot that that happened. I know, right? When I heard that, I was like, wait a second, what? Talk about supporting the shit out of your kids. <laughs> Talk about life imitating art. That's crazy. Exactly. Give Number four on here, the hard to love hardware of the year goes to the PlayStation Classic. Oh, Ooh. Sony, 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 Sony. Now we've dunked on this tiny system before and the recent price drop. <laughs> it went from $100 to $60 in the span of a month. Is enough to kind of indict it itself. I feel like they knew they knew it was going to be that way, but they just kind of hoped that people would be, I don't want to say dumb enough to pick it up anyway, or I think it's one of those things where they had gone too far and it was already produced and manufactured and set to release and they heard all the feedback and they're like, yep, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that predicted that's exactly what the response was going to be, mm-hmm. but they're like, well, fuck, the NES Classic, SNES Classic were so popular, how could this fail? Easy. This is a lesson that, rings throughout the gaming industry which is it is the software that sells it is not the hardware by itself nintendo has that tchotchke novelty power sure Mm -hmm. but for by and large the games on those collections were fucking great am i right yeah (laughs) like there were so many value prospects on the snes classic and the nes classic alone that are just like they begged to be played again. And the price point was like 60 bucks. I can't argue with that. The, I think the SNES Classic was 80 But even still, there, there were more games that I was going to play on that one. So that was even worth it for me. So Yeah, that's true. And I mean, the fucking thing doesn't even pass the sniff test. You tell me we're going to do a PlayStation Mini, mm-hmm. just like Nintendo did. And I'll go, okay, you got Spyro on there. You got Crash on there. You got maybe a Tony Hawk. I don't even care if it's one or two. You mm-hmm. can have it be one. And if your answer is no to the majority of those, you fucked up. You're done. Nope. 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 I think for most people, they nailed at least half of the list. But for me, only like five games of that really mm-hmm. sold me on it. And that's fine. Like if they're five of the greatest games I've never played, sure. But to hear that like the emulations are poor and the UI is bad and there's nothing in terms of like accessibility or customizing, like 
it really just makes it harder to want to put your hands right. on it and, and actually get to play with it. And and no ability to expand that library in any sort of way, which I get that drives up cost. And then we're talking about like, it's essentially a fucking system. What are mm-hmm. we doing? I get that. But we wouldn't have to worry about that if you got your set list pretty good. That's true. I mean, I wouldn't have minded $169. You know, let Soldier Boy come and do the Soldier Boy classic oh and do it right. <laughs> the fucking, the, the Soldier systems have more PlayStation classics than the actual PlayStation classic. You done fucked up. Next one on here. Biggest gaming meltdown of the year. I said that we we're going to stick to positivity. Fuck that for this episode. Mm-hmm. The award goes to the reaction to Diablo Immortal. I had to really struggle on this one. I was like, what, what was it up between? The biggest stinks of this year all happened almost toward the tail end of the okay. year. The fucking Raimi suit was one of the most just egregious fucking things that I've heard. Mm-hmm. Where you, you, I was like, you're bitching about nothing at this point. Nothing. They gave you a solid fucking game and you're mad because there's this one suit that's missing. Come on. Don't call people scumbags. Don't don't say they are anti-consumer because of this one fuck. They gave you the perfect Spider-Man game. But there was also Smash. I thought that was a weird one. Mm-hmm. When I mean, I mean to say people were upset that the leak that they also wanted that featured... Who the fuck even was it? Uh, Banjo-Kazooie and some other weird Fire Emblem character? I don't... Banjo-Kazooie, some Fire Emblem characters. There was a character from Kid Icarus and then a character from uh, Super Mario RPG. Oh, right, right, right. So that had a lot of fucking fervor behind it that was unnecessary. Mm -hmm. I feel like in a game where there's 70 plus fighters for you to choose from... Mm -hmm. I'm so yeah there's gonna be admissions there's going to be admissions and you just kind of chalk that up and go okay you don't come at them and say the entire game is fucking ruined because this goddamn half kazoo half banjo character isn't in there mm-hmm. I, I can't even picture it's a bear and a, and a it's a bear and a bird in the backpack right? there are actually no instruments involved in the making of that game what yeah no kazoos Listen, I can't stand these gamer lies. <laughs> so I had to juggle that, but I feel like Diablo Immortal was the worst of it. Okay. Because they straight up embarrassed a dev on stage in front of everybody at that fucking conference with their fucking April Fool's joke thing. Mm-hmm. And then the fucking just anger and vitriol that followed in the days after, people screaming at Blizzard. And, you know, I got I, I understand parts of the argument. It's not what you wanted. That That's a great, that's great piece of feedback. That's something that you should deliver in a very appropriate means. Not attacking somebody, not saying they're out of touch, not calling them motherfuckers, not mm. creating petitions and get like trying to get people to, uh-oh, rise up. It's annoying. There was a lot of uncalled feedback from that. And it was kind of like at a time where I was kind of embarrassed to be a part of the community where it's like, this is how you, you in turn treat people who have put blood, sweat and tears into a product that otherwise might be for other people, even if it's not for you. The fucking deflections that were happening too, which is like, hey, we have a valid criticism, and now we're getting dogpiled even more by the people that are calling us entitled. This is what they want. It's It just wasn't fun to watch, and mm-hmm. it absorbed my timeline for like a good solid two weeks. And I'm like, I get it, I get it. They never said they weren't doing Diablo 4. They never called this Diablo 4. They just didn't show you Diablo 4 because they weren't comfortable showing you with where it's at right now. Mm-hmm. That, that's all, man. I think that's okay. And they Why didn't want to just okay? do like a, a title card at the end, which I guess a lot of people were saying they should have done that. They should have at least done that to, to temper expectations and get people 
past the fact that there's a major mobile game coming and and something on the horizon i hate that that works because it's such a just like uh like dangling your keys and hoping nobody asks questions beyond that Mm -hmm. you know look they did it for metroid prime 4 nintendo did cool we saw a title card haven't heard shit since it's been a long time (laughs) well you do something like that and then every conference every e3 or whatever it's just like when's it coming i haven't heard anything when's it coming is it coming to july and it's just like i feel like more negativity gets spurned by that exactly (laughs) precisely like people the expectation is there and when it when it's not met fans feel nothing but sheer disappointment even if you had a cool direct or a cool event or a cool announcement Mm -hmm. they're like it's not this yeah and that sucks. I want to. I want to get away from that mentality, gamers. Get away from the whole "it's not this" mentality. Well, what is it? What do you like about what they're showing you? What do you not like about what they're showing you? Don't make an imaginary bullshit. Almost flipped your console. I'm sorry. Don't make it like the Raimi suit is what made me mad the most. Which like don't don't just start. You're reaching now. Mm-hmm. You're reaching for things to shelve at this fucking developer because you ain't got nothing bad to say otherwise. You just want something bad to say. Like why do people have to say shit? Like. You can not say anything at all. You don't have to just talk just to talk. You don't complain to just... just to complain. Or you can start a podcast and just bitch incessantly and have no one listen to you. It's true. Hey, Daniel. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, nah, you, you know, guys. We got tons of bandwidth for bitching about things we hate. <laughs> What's the next one? Number six on here. Pull out king of the year. Sony. They're the pull out kings. <laughs> I love this one. It's great. Why, I... why are they the pull out kings, Daniel? Because for the first time in its 24-year history, 25-year history, Sony is not going to be a part of E3 conference in 2019. Mm. Mad respect for it. I I think it's actually really cool. E3 is like it's cool that they betrayed the gamers? Well, okay, see, yeah, the gamers got mad about that too, where it's like, oh, it's disrespectful. How dare they? It's disrespectful to third-party relations and your consumers and your fans. Like, no. I feel like the appropriate response was they felt like they had already disrespected and wasted people's times at the previous E3. They don't have anything to show. And also, E3 conferences like this, they're big marketing ploys, big fucking advertising spiels. We don't always need to do that to showcase like what's coming out or what's hype. They have other avenues for doing that, and I kind of want to see how they're going to explore that more. They have their own fucking house conference to do at the fucking PSX. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I, When they started doing PSX, that was the first thing in my mind, which is, how are they going to spread announcements between, like, two, two like, polar parts of the year, essentially? It's like, how are you going to spread announcements between E3 and PSX? And what happened was, oh, one year they are like, oh, we shelved PSX, and I was like, oh, I guess that's how they're going to approach it. Just mm-hmm. save the good shit for E3, I yeah. guess, until PS5 is yeah. cooking. Oh, no, they shelved E3, too. So they're doing a reverse and trying to dump it into PSX, I feel. I my again my prediction what we talked about it before is that they're going to announce at some time in the year here's ps5 here's what it is here's why you should be excited about it mm-hmm. and then psx later in the year hopefully older earlier than december like what the fuck december they're gonna say you can get your hands on it that's gonna be the big thing i think that is exactly sony's ploy and they don't want to get stuck in the noise of e3 because it became this gargantuan thing where I mean, people come at me with announcements and I'm just like, oh, I never, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear it was at E3. Mm -hmm. Weird. Because it didn't have a giant conference or something to back it up. But I'm excited to see what they do next year now that they're not at E3. Will they ever return to E3? The money's good. No, they're definitely going to. It's definitely good for them as a company and good for their relationships with Mm -hmm. other game companies, second party, third party. But I respect them for just taking a year away. We're in between consoles right now they're making that next big step they're finishing up their last major exclusives for the ps4 so like yeah take the time work in the lab come back when you have something new because like if if they came out 
PSX in December and then did E3 and it was the same games from E3 2018, I'd be like, okay. Okay. It, no, it would have felt really lackluster. Yeah. So Now, I will say this because I like to think about the people behind choices mm-hmm. and not just a choice and not just a product. I bet you that in some office at Sony, there is a, a breath of collective relief that was sighed into the air mm-hmm. when they were told, we don't have to do E3. <laughs> I bet you they're like, oh, thank God. I'm sure it's a lot of money. It's a lot of planning. It's a lot, a lot of shit work, to orchestrate. Lot of, yeah. A lot of relationships with vendors, companies, all this other stuff. And it just to not have to do it and maybe have something more controlled. Yeah, it plays in their favor. I like it. So number seven on here, we got trending gamer slash furry of the year goes to none other than Sonic Fox. So why, why did we love Sonic Fox this year? Sonic Fox, especially for... Well, there was a few things, and we talked about it earlier uh, on an earlier episode where he gave like half of his winnings or a portion of his winnings from an injustice tournament to mm-hmm. his opponent because he knew his opponent's father had come down with a, a terminal illness. And I was just like, whoa. And he, you know, he goes on and, I, you know, some people say things like it's not about the money for me. It's about X, Y, Z. My dude showed that it wasn't about the money. Mm-hmm. It's about the community for him. It's about fostering this kind of... A better ideal for what gaming can be and or at least being a what do you want to call it like a participant mm-hmm. in this gaming community of ours now he went on to the game awards stage and delivered the best speech in my mind yeah or he, he came up and he's like i'm gay i'm black i'm pretty much everything a republican hates i'm a furry but i also happen to be the best esports player in the world right now yeah so fuck with it yeah just fuck with it like it was so good and he got some backlash after mm-hmm. that and it's like whatever and he handled it with such a plum. he was just like he's like shut your ugly ass up <laughs> like every tweet fucking make crack me up this person is just like a bastion of positivity mm-hmm. and not gonna take your shit <laughs> I, I think that's exactly the mold that we need to see going forward from the people that we exemplify in the industry and in the gaming communities, especially when it comes to people that engage with the games themselves rather than make them. I was going to say, if we're going to have influencers and trending gamers, like that's why, word. why not have somebody more positive? It's, it's crazy, too, coming from a, a participant of the fighting game community, which is notoriously toxic and, and bad to its players and communities. But no, I respect him. In a year where we had, you know, mm-hmm. gamer words and people... Prolific streamers refusing to stream with women for one reason or another. Like, we had this dude who came in, complete transparency. He was like, this is who I am. This is what I love. You guys love me for this, and I love you in return. And, you know, nothing but peace and positivity on on his agenda. That's great. Right. And it's so interesting to see somebody who is in the gaming stratosphere come out and not say, like, oh, my personality is completely contingent on a singular game or Mm -hmm. something like that. It's like, no, my personality is based off of who I am. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. And this is who I'm presenting. And I also love doing this. You're a hero, Sonic Fox, and it's, that's why you get Trending Gamer of the Year. It's awesome. I love um, people behind the gamers. I love personal stories. I love people pieces, and like his is one of the most interesting people pieces of the year for me, for I love, sure. I love pieces of people. Pieces of people. I collect them. Speaking of somebody who this year did a lot of collecting on a lot of people in a lot of realms of the industry. No, oh, that's true. We got the Hunter S. Thompson, but for Games of the Year Award, goes to Kotaku's Jason Schreier. One Fuck that, yeah. One that we quote a lot. We have a lot of shout out articles of the week that are owed to from him. Really great presence in the industry, although he gets a lot of shit for one reason or another. 
A lot of anti-Semitic remarks, a lot of people Mm -hmm. trying to bring him down, but he's literally like one of the few people in the industry doing the hard, honest journalism out there that's kind of falling by the wayside in the presence of, you know, major publications or media types. Yeah, he's one of the most prolific voices in games media, and people give him a lot of shit because he doesn't always necessarily side with... I guess the common interest mm-hmm. is, is the nicest way to say it. He doesn't go with the horde, typically. Yeah. And that's when he, the vitriol comes his way. But he just likes to say, like, hey, I'm not going to take any shit. I'm going to show you what this is. Mm-hmm. He did the expose. So many exposés this year, actually. A lot. On Blizzard. He did on their business practices right now and how Activision is shifting them towards this whole annualized machine, which is really causing chaos behind the scenes for that studio Mm -hmm. and just kind of fracturing what was considered the personality of that developer. And then we also had one on Rockstar's Crunch. He interviewed a ton of different people in different places. He said it was weird too because like they sat him down in an office and had like a Skype call in front of like fucking team leads and different people going like, yeah, I had a good experience. And like he looked at the guy and said like, yeah, but I don't know how much I would take this at face value. And he's like, what do you mean he's like you don't think that they would lie in front of a boss i love that he like he he fucking points out it's like come on man this is i talk about human nature Mm -hmm. it's not just about fanboyism you know it's not just about like let's celebrate games because games are positive it's not always positive (laughs) it hurts to make these games sometimes yeah it comes at a cost sometimes you know my favorite game to do is and daniel laughs every time i point out a really nice piece of graphics in a video game and i go that's a divorce yeah, you've been doing that a lot lately. It's kind of unsettling because it comes out of nowhere, but I'm like, you're not wrong. Like, I, anytime you admire something in a game, I was like, that's at least two divorces. <laughs> okay? Real ass shit. This is the stuff that happens, and mm. this is the stuff that we need to talk about. Not because we want to just dunk on people, because conversation makes it better, and Jason Schreier is at the forefront of fucking administering that conversation for us no i love that he's always chasing the bigger picture and the why of things always looking for the behind the scene he's doing some of the most interesting work out there and he's probably one of the reasons that journalism and gaming isn't dead mm-hmm. it actually he's the reason why journalism or he's one of the reasons there's plenty of great voices out there i don't mm-hmm. want to disparage anybody no i mean you got fucking cecilia de, uh, de anastasia every time we always fucking struggle um, on that one you have megan uh mm-hmm. like these are great great names that patricia are, hernandez patricia hernandez like they some of these women they broke some of the greater stories this year in terms of like arena net or women in gaming or things like this and let me put it very plainly for anybody that's confused or has some sort of bias against kotaku uh jason schreier and voices like his own make gaming journalism not a joke mm-hmm. otherwise it would be Otherwise, it would play into what the publishers absolutely want, which is a part of their marketing strategies. Mm -hmm. Why do you think they get so fucking pissed when something that isn't showing them in a picturesque way Mm -hmm. comes out there? Why do you think that happens? Because it's the truth. Yeah. He's not out there to make friends. He's out there to kind of show us the real story behind things. And I like that. He has painted such an interesting image of the industry for me. And he's he's made me more interested in the behind-the-scenes stuff, for sure. Right. And he does a job. He is doing a job. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like I said, he is not an extension of video games marketing. Mm-hmm. He is a journalist. There is a distinction. Okay? I mean, it's interesting to have him juxtapose across, like, these quote reviewers that people think are paid for on ign like oh ign got paid to do like a a 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 review Mm -hmm. for this game it's like they may or may not have but like jason trier for sure isn't doing it for any of that he's doing it because he chases the truth 
and I respect it. And please pick up his book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. I read it this year. It was fucking fantastic. Mm. Excited for you to dive into it. Yeah, you lent stories. it to me last night. So. I did. I, I threw it at you. Now, going on the complete opposite spectrum is this award, and this one's a very simple award. It's Echo Fighter of the Year. It goes to Philip Muchin. <laughs> yeah, you guys remember that, dude? You remember that guy? Uh, he is known for basically plagiarizing a review of Dead Cells that he did back in like August, I believe. He he did a video review that basically was almost word for word, shot for shot of somebody else's review. I forget his name. Mm-hmm. I, I forget the uh, the initial. I've tried to not think about the situation as much as possible. Yeah. But what happened was that was a launching pad for, okay, IGN took down the review, so we're going to do an investigation. And then it came to light that several other reviews that he had uh, made were kind of remixes of other writers' reviews, including a Nintendo Life writer who one of the, like his FIFA reviews was totally taken by Mugen. And uh, it is just... I remember that got me pissed off. Because for the longest time, I, I wanted to be a games journalist. I mm-hmm. totally wanted to be a part of that ecosystem. Not how it shook out. I'm a lazy boy. <laughs> but it just kind of makes me mad that this dude got into the industry and had that dream job. A, a job that a lot of people would fucking wring their 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 wrists over. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's got to be a better way to say it. A lot of people are f- will fucking smash you over the head with an NES cart for. And... <laughs> I don't know if that one landed either. <laughs> and to have this guy out here and he's just fucking forging these reviews is just such a disrespectful, distasteful thing. Mm-hmm. And it certainly didn't help IGN's message. You were just talking about it. People think that they already get paid for the reviews. It does not help to have a plagiarist on the payroll. But that hit them hard too. There's people that trusted this motherfucker. Yeah. Burned. It got worse at a certain point because he tried to do like a comeback video of some sort and kind of explain where he was at. Mm -hmm. And then when people dunked on him for that, saying, no, dude, you're a fucking plagiarist. Why do you never work in this industry again? We don't want to support you. Mm -hmm. He likened it to a fight with cancer. (laughs) That ain't it, chief. I'm sorry. Like there, there are tons of ways you could respond. Owning up to it would have been one, but... That is truly not it. No. So, so wherever you are, wherever you are right now, Philip, just really just look into something else. Yeah. But major respect to I didn't know it before, but I looked it up. Boomstick Gaming. That's, that's the channel that he originally was, yeah. plagiarized for that Dead Souls review. Right, uh, right. Major respect for him coming out and just kind of presenting the the presenting the situation in a non-aggressive way, being like, "Hey, this is my review of this game." Not even like trying to like cause a stink and, and tear the guy down. Just being like, "This isn't right." And I want to be recognized for what I did. So major respect to Boomstick for that. Yeah, it, it, he just came out and he was like, hey, I saw this thing. I don't know what to do about this thing. Mm-hmm. He wasn't he wasn't even really pointing a finger. He was just like, look, I'm pretty sure that this is what this is. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And it fucking blew up. And it should have blown up. And, well, just like this dude's career. <laughs> Number 10 on here, I guess in the opposite direction, things that didn't quite blow up. Uh, we have the Forgotten AAA Game of the Year. It is a three-way tie between shadow of the tomb raider just cause 4 and far cry 5 uh, two of those games kevin forgot he even played and one of them will probably never play yeah i i just had to like point it out there i mean maybe that's endemic of there being a glut of triple a properties that just kind of filled the year mm-hmm. um maybe it's well maybe it's a testament to don't do the same shit just to have something out in the market man we catch wise that kind of thing and i am pointing that towards shadow of the tomb raider mm-hmm. a mechanically and functionally decent game 
but does nothing to separate itself from Rise of the Tomb Raider or even the first Tomb Raider reboot that came out. It's the same fucking game. I really have to stress that to you. I was like, this is the same fucking game with a whack-ass story about how... Laura won't own up for the bullshit that she does. Mm-hmm. Like we really just didn't land on a on a good <laughs> like on a good resolution to yeah. that either. We were just kind of like, hey, so do you feel guilty? We need to find the cult. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I guess she doesn't feel guilty. <laughs> you can't keep on having fucking Jonah be the the conscious guy if she doesn't listen to him. <laughs> but besides the point. And then Just Cause Four came out with no kind of rabble i saw some fun videos that people were posting on twitter where they're just fucking with the physics of the game and doing crazy stuff on like motorcycles or on atvs and it's like the same thing from the last three games i don't yeah that one just kind of slipped on by plus a december release early december if if i'm not mistaken or late november what you're not smash smash can get away with that just cause you cannot get i think it came out the same day Oh no! There's no way. There's no. I'm that's, look. that's career suicide, we're, right there. Uh, the save room is going to. Uh, we're going to the database. But that that was a game that I was never really interested in playing, and I don't think you were too. No, I wasn't too either. up on that one either. Come on, give me that release date. December fourth. So it was literally fucking three days before Smash. Wow, um, it's the week of Smash. We are so sorry, Just Cause Four. This is your verbal Viking funeral. <laughs> it is now Far Cry Five. That could have been a thing. It mm-hmm. could have been special because it looked like it had social commentary just seeping out of the box. Mm-hmm. But then you play it and they softball every fucking allegory and metaphor that they could make in order to keep it apolitical. And it was just like, this is this is a nonsense, nothing story. You have a cult because in your your greatest message about this, this white supremacy cult, which was very obviously a religious-based white supremacy cult, but mm-hmm. they refused to address it that way, was that, oh, sometimes cultists are crazy. And that was their point. Fucking limp dick, man. That's that's a whiskey dick story right there, let me mm. tell you. But otherwise, it f- plays like a Far Cry game. I'm sorry. You, you did it too many times for it to feel fresh anymore. Just because you this is Far Cry America flavored doesn't make it good. You got to do something cool with it. That's true. You know? I mean, we have these three games that really kind of rested on their franchise laurels and we're just like we're gonna do something safe Mm -hmm. i think the most bold thing any of these games could have done would have been to try do something different do something meaningful and really stand out in a different way because like you said shadow the tomb raider we already played that game twice twice (laughs) there's so much potential for that franchise you know like rise was like okay this is a direction it's just more of the same but it's still good but by the time you get the shadow and you did it again the mm-hmm. same way, it's like, nah, dude, no, you need to do something else. Yeah, that's fair. You, or maybe maybe it's even about bridging the gap between old Lara Croft, you know, and those kinds of adventures. Because it's, God, they're so dark and foreboding. And there's always some horrible MacGuffin that's going to end the world in those games. Mm-hmm. And it just gets kind of boring. It's Those games are not about adventure, you know? The, the tone good point yeah the tone just needs to evolve with it mm-hmm. i'm not saying it needs to be tongue-in-cheek like uncharted style but uncharted does very different things within its franchise but still has an overall like there's a curiosity and sense of fun that keeps on dragging us back in i think shadow is going to buck people off by getting just too dark and dumb mm-hmm. you know so that, that, that that's a warning for future tomb raiders okay i do hope we get another one down the line because it is a great franchise reboot so it is i love laura Croft. i do i love what they did with it but i want good things for it mm-hmm. now next one on here is the best capcom fighting game of the year goes to 
Dragon Ball Fighters. Sorry, yeah. Capcom. <laughs> they out-Capcommed you. And you need to just own up to that. Did Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite come out this year? I think it came out end of 2017. Actually, it doesn't matter because it was a piece of shit. Okay. I, do, it, I was just curious. I bought it this year. Mm-hmm. I picked it up this year when it was like low, 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 low ball. Like when they started uh, selling for 20 bucks for no reason. And I was like, this just came out yeah. a couple months ago. I knew there was something wrong, but my Capcom curiosity got the best of me again, Daniel. Mm-hmm. As it always does with Umbrella Corps, with Operation Raccoon City. I just got a peek. I got to open that door and go, oh, you sprayed cum in my eye. <laughs> He's the Capcom captain. It's his, his morbid curiosity to get that Capcom cum on his face. I know, and cum is a little bit salty. And I got to tell you, Capcom's cum is the saltiest. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a revelation for the, for the um, Capcom cum revelations. <laughs> Capcom revelation. Capcom. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Dragon Ball Fighter Z is not a game for me because I'm not super into the Dragon Ball games, but I've seen people stream it. I've seen plenty of tech it's demos. Beautiful. It's a beautiful game. It is one of the the few games that actually looks true to the medium that it came from. It's like a, it looks like an anime. It's a better versus fighter than the versus fighters that Capcom's been doing. Mm-hmm. Like they need to go with that for their next Marvel versus Capcom. Go make it make it comic booky, make it stylistic, make it fun. They mm-hmm. just they made this weird homogenized kind of ugly stuck between worlds art style with Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. And then you had this fucking Dragon Ball Fighter Z that people were like excited about but didn't know what it was going to be. Knock it out of the park. And mm-hmm. it was like that's what you need to do from yeah. now on. And this is one of the few instances where you should not shy away from cell shading. Let me tell you what. No, it, it plays in its favor. Uh, number 12 on here, we got the man y'all really slept on this game of the year. Goes to Overcooked 2. Y'all slept on this game. What the fuck? Ghost Town Games did it again. We were all excited about part one. We all went crazy for part one. We all had love-hate relationships mm-hmm. with people in our homes. And we saw different sides of each other mm-hmm. that we didn't think we would because of some burning pots. Honestly, I slept on it for a few months. It wasn't until Jess came into town in, what, November that I was like, yeah, I'll play. Yeah, that was the first time you played it, huh? Were you impressed? I mean, it builds on the core tenets of the game. I liked being able to throw things. That made some of it a little easier, Mm -hmm. as opposed to having to walk every ingredient to a certain point. Yeah, it's it's all still there. The, The kitchens are bigger, the ingredients are bigger, and... It is one of those few games where I play and I'm stressed the entire time. It's mechanically a better game than the first game, but for some reason, that kind of, uh, that gusto for it was gone. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody was really talking about it. Nobody was going on about it, and I'm just kind of curious why. Did it come out at the wrong time, or did we get enough of what we wanted, or did it not, did it not separate itself aesthetically enough for it to seem like a sequel, you know? Like, I, I, I'm kind of curious of why it didn't hit. I mean, if you think of when it came out, it came out in the the season of Metroidvanias. I think it was August. That's most people's backlog season. So it's not like we were chomping down on major AAA games. People had time to get into it. I know people did. It just nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about it. I I had to wrangle people people to play it with yeah. me. I had to get people for like online, just be like, yeah, just deal with the latency. Get on in here. I had to do share play a couple of times to get people that refused to buy it to play it with me. Wow, it was ridiculous. I gave up. I gave up. I haven't even seen the end of that game, and that's that's egregious because I, I fucking blasted through the first game. Well, we have a three-star kitchen rule where we're not allowed to progress to the next level or world until we get three stars on a kitchen. We insist in highest standards. Well, Thank you very you much. Know, that's the OSHA way. 
Next one on here is quickest price drop of the year is actually a tie between the PlayStation Classic and Fallout 76. Now, PlayStation Classic, we said earlier, went down to 60 bucks, even though it started at 99. And then Fallout 76, within one motherfucking week, dropped to 40 bucks, and then a week later dropped to 35. Holy Howard shit. Yikes bikes. Yikes on bikes, but that would crash the game if they implemented it. <laughs> yeah, if there were bikes in that game, no way. <laughs> No, oh, wow. I I mean, we we both bought that game at sixty fucking bucks, mm-hmm. man. I yeah. I say it every time I bought it twice. I bought it for me and I bought it for Dave. The thing is, I didn't experience any of the problems that I ended up getting just trounced by mm-hmm. in the beta. I played the beta and I was like, "This is neat. I actually dig this. I see what they're going for. I want to see what the full experience looks mm-hmm. like." Oh, but if you played the beta, you saw it all. That's that's very true. I don't <laughs> think there was much that had happened between beta and release launch that really that's the game it. i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe my eyes i was like there's got to be an escalation or something or something cool no nope, it's all that's, there that's the game i think my problem is they needed to not rush it out in november they probably should have kept it in beta or at least early access for a few more months figured it out you know and and gone from there they, there was just too much emphasis to hit that holiday release window well i i think i i got a butterfly effect uh you on this situation buddy i'm going back in time and i should say they shouldn't have made it i should be the one who's ashton kutchering through time i go back and i go todd the gamers hate it don't make this one todd and, and you I... jump in front of them and you end up like ashton kutcher no arms no legs and you're in a bathtub t- being taken care of by ethan supply do you want that life do you need that life if it means i can protect the gamers from fallout 76 gladly <laughs> you are the hero of time that we need no it's just it's very obvious that this wasn't the right combination of ingredients to do an online fallout i'm not saying that you can't make a good or even great online fallout Mm -hmm. but this certainly missed the mark for a lot of different reasons that kind of confuse people especially in comparison to other service games that are out there Mm -hmm. i mean we have service games that have plenty of lore and have mission quest givers and stuff why did this game make all of its weird choices? Getting rid of all the NPCs and replacing them with floating robots that won't stop talking. Mm-hmm. Or the holotapes that go on for 14 goddamn minutes, even though you should be cognizant of the fact that I am grouped up in a party of people just yammering my ear about how they're thirsty, hungry, and have no stim packs all the time. Like, it, it just doesn't... It seems like there's many different people working on this game that never met each other. <laughs> never got to figure out what the other guy was up to until it finally just got thrown into a beta and they're like oh i think if they wanted to go for the quick cash grab same foundation of fallout 4 give us something that is like new vegas okay if you wanted to do the cash brag people would have been bitching way less Mm -hmm. than what you did and it's kind of what people wanted in the first place so (sighs) i know i know number 14 on here best game in perpetual early access of the year Fortnite. You can't talk about 2018 without talking about Fortnite. You had dances that were popularized across various medias. You had NFL players doing these dances. You had dance studios and classes teaching these dances. You had people suing over these dance moves. <laughs> Fortnite is... Carlton! Is, is crazy. It is a, a phenomenon in many ways. Um, probably made more popular by the fact that it, it is free. It is um, widely accessible in terms of gameplay very visually catching and pleasing in terms of its art style and it has a gameplay loop that people either love or hate and it seemed like most mm-hmm. people really loved it yeah it's in, i respect the shit 
out of Fortnite, and I respect the shit out of the decisions that Epic Games is making, especially as they expand their business in the different stratospheres and the way that they're trying to, like, you know, with their Epic Games store, mm-hmm. it is a better get for developers because of that, you know, the, the price out and such. Mm-hmm. I think it's only 12% that they ask for games, whereas Steam is 30%. Oh, that's not bad. And then we, I don't think we talked about Discord came out of nowhere, and they're like, well, fucking 3%. Come to Discord. <laughs> trying to undercut them both. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We should come out. Yeah, get on the Save Room Game Store for fucking 0.8%. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be an early investor. Yeah, we only want beat em ups, though. <laughs> we only want beat em ups. Now, I respect the game. I don't enjoy the game, mm-hmm. but I do recognize all of the components that make it a hit, and a lot of it's happenstance. And it is kind of funny that it it stems from they definitely had one type of game, especially with Save the World mode and a few others. Mm-hmm. And then they saw PUBG's success and went, "Yeah, I think we can kind of do that. We already have the, a lot of the basis there," mm-hmm. and fucking circumvented them entirely. It yeah. is it is a very Nintendo Sega story, by the way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like here here's the the godfathers of it. But then the new kids on the block said, mm, we're gonna make it flashier and put a bunch of fucking flossing dances in it. It's true. It is a crazy success story. I think it was the most popular game streamed on Twitch all year. You had people like Ninja streaming it with uh with Drake. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was playing it. And um it'll be interesting to see if in twenty eighteen it can maintain the same steam. I think I think you're gonna see uh, a definite definite tailwind of this game. There's there's some power left in it. Mm-hmm. I don't think 2019 is the the year that it's gonna like start fluctuating. Hell no. Yeah. I think it's it's going to plateau at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Games tend to do that, but I think it's gonna remain strong for a while, and that's just what's gonna happen. And therefore, you're gonna have to start understanding the weird words coming out of your nieces and nephews in order to. Really just accept them mm-hmm. for who they are going forward. And I, I do love that it's the one game that finally broke Sean Laid into be like, okay, we need to have this crossplay. I know. I know. How powerful does software have to be where you have turned the gigantic ship that is a giant publisher <laughs> to acquiesce to your demands? Holy shit. I have not seen a game do that. Nope. Okay. You think Resident Evil 2 is out there changing Sony policy? No, dog. Not at all. <laughs> Now, the next one on here, we already talked about it, and we said our words, but we gotta get another award, because this award is special. You're getting the Aliens Colonial Marines Cluster Fuck of the Year goes to Fallout 76. I haven't seen a bigger clusterfuck this year, man. I have not. Previous years, No Man's Sky would have been the clusterfuck of the year. Yeah, I think that was the one for 2016, for sure. I'm not sure what 2017's clusterfuck was. Seems like the industry was keeping it copacetic. No, I think it would be Star Wars Battlefront 2. Oh, you might be right about that. This one is bombastic. Okay, this one's much bigger. Todd Howard had his Randy Pitchford shoes on and he's fucking (laughs) mucked the place. He was dragging dog shit on his soles. (laughs) He put on one of uh, Randy Pitchford's weird magician shirts. (laughs) (laughs) And just donned the snake oil salesman stylings of the year. Yeah, I, I feel bad because I, I know there's a lot of talent at Bethesda. I know there's a lot of people that were probably very passionate about making this game good, mm-hmm. and it just didn't come out that way. I'm sorry. But then we had the sequence of events that occurred afterward that was just like, oh, no, Bethesda. Oh, no, honey. Like, we had, oh, baby, what is you doing? <laughs> like, throughout the year, yeah. the fucking uh, collector's edition bag, the canvas bag situation, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is going to take five to six months to actually get those out to people that want those. Uh, we have the customer service blow up. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> where private data was just shot out to everybody that uh, submitted support tickets. Oh. Like it just kept on going and it wouldn't stop. I think the the best thing that they had for all of December was that it's been pretty fucking quiet. That was their Christmas gift. <laughs> okay? But, god damn, it's a big one. It's a bad one. It is. I don't think this was uh, Bethesda's year in terms of being a developer at all. Even their E3 demonstration, people are kind of like... Huh. They were giving them some criticism, for sure. Yeah. They're like, oh, I don't think Bethesda needs to be at these things anymore. They don't really have anything to show. This and that. And it's like, well, they wanted to try and put something new in front of you guys' faces. And they had confidence in it. And I was even stoked about it at first, too. Daniel Dwyer did a, a no-clip about Fallout 76 that like I know. really I know. opened my eyes. And I was like, this could be cool. And then by the time the beta came around and by the time we got it on our hands and by the time I spent 20 hours with it, I was like, ooh, no. Need more time to bake, for sure. That was my 20-hour breaker, because if you remember, I was actually pretty excited about Fallout 76, which is a surprise, mm-hmm. because I'm typically just not a big fan mm-hmm. of Bethesda's games. In fact, I would love nothing more in this world for, to get a new Fallout not made by Bethesda, and that does not play like a Bethesda game. I don't mean, oh yeah, do another Obsidian. No, 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 no. I don't want that fucking engine with Fallout anymore. No, that should be their 2019 resolution. Get a new engine. Like... All of the things that make a Bethesda game don't make Fallout to me. Fallout to me is like the mm. atmosphere, the post-apocalyptic kind of setting, the tongue-in-cheek, dry humor, mm. the 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 power suits, the, the characterization and stuff. That can all be there and not be in this fucking stymied, glitchy Bethesda open world. That's where I'm at with 76, where I'm just like, I don't even trust y'all with this IP no, no more. I, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very reluctant to hard bite into anything that they've got coming up right away. But I will say this, last thing on Bethesda, I do hope that there are some, these are hard lessons for the for the publisher and mm-hmm. the studio, hard lessons, but I do hope that they take them to heart going forward, that we see them become this fucking rising phoenix of a studio that learns from these mistakes and goes, ain't gonna happen to us again, that Starfield is fucking killer, that the next Elder Scrolls, even more fucking killer. I hope, because good games make me happy, I don't give a shit where they came from, unless, you know... They, they come from some bone rituals. <laughs> oh, man. That leads me into the next one here. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. This next one had a lot of bone rituals, a lot of overworked hours. Second to last superlative, we got the best developer to crunch for of the year. It goes to Rockstar Games. <laughs> okay. We don't mean to be assholes. No. Too late. But... <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to crunch for anybody, they're at least crunch for a billion-dollar game. <laughs> it's true. Were the horseball physics worth it? Probably not, but, you know, there was a great game in the end game, at least. What we really want to point out is that there is a heightened discussion about crunch mm-hmm. and these practices within the industry this year. And I don't like what the subject is about, but I do like that we're having these conversations. Mm-hmm. In fact, the one thing that was coming out from developers that do experience crunch and crunch cycles and, and actually had experience with studios like Telltale, mm-hmm. which ultimately went under, and then Rockstar is that they want us to hear these stories so it does get better because that's what actually instigates change. Talk about it. Don't ignore it. Don't look away and don't act like it's okay because when somebody doesn't get called out for something, they think they're doing something right. Yeah. You know? Now, these conversations, if anything, should be signal flares for the industry and the companies that are putting out these products to be like, okay, this is what's happening. You might think it's okay because this is a new industry and it's kind of the culture you're perpetuating, but stop. Don't let it happen. It's not okay. There are other ways to put out a product, whether it's you kind of pushing at the publisher being like, hey, we need more time on this because our team is wearing themselves thin or just 
taking longer with it. And I think if we're talking about crunch, we need to have examples. And what mm. better example than this hit machine, this gigantic, yeah. prints their own money, basically, studio, Rockstar. Say, hey, what does it actually take to make these games that you oh so love? Mm-hmm. And the answer, unfortunately, in a lot of instances, and not always in every instance, mm-hmm. we're not saying this is endemic entirely, is that it takes suffering to make these games. I would like that it didn't. I would like that every horseball physic that they add into the game isn't a divorce, isn't somebody staying at the fucking workplace instead of seeing his family, or just getting that mental health time to be Mm. alone, kind of see the world, breathe, eat, not feel stress for once in a week. That's what I want the conditions to be like for making games. Mm. I'm sorry. I mean, because I'm sure there are a lot of hours those people wanted to work on that game, and they did nothing productive because they were so enervated mentally physically exhausted drained and they couldn't put in their best effort because they're like well i had to be here 100 hours this week because it's not mandated but it's Mm -hmm. the idea that we all should be putting in the same effort 110 a thousand percent it's just like that's not it you know i'm I'm glad it happened to a studio like rockstar because they are they're a big company and they have a responsibility now to change their their mindset going Mm -hmm. forward and Granted, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 was not affected by any of this, really. It was one of the most largely selling games of the year, if not the most popular game of the year. No, the Call of Duty edges out every game every year. I I was going to say, but... I wonder what Activision's crunch crunch cycles are like for games that come out on an annual basis. Yeah, that's true. My hope is that there's a trickle down in the industry. Mm -hmm. We have these conversations, and it's not just because we want to... Again, there are some weird conversations that occurred, too, of people bickering with each other. It's mm. like, well, if you want to support this, and this is what it's got to be like, and if you want games like... No, 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 no. There's always room for improvement, and this industry, despite its long legs, is still young. Mm-hmm. It is still formative. We can't just fucking lie down and say, that's the way it is. There's no unions for game workers, and mm. we're going to fire a whole team if a game doesn't meet X quota. Yeah. That can't happen anymore. Sorry fucking pat upon three isn't worth it it's not worth it daniel it's It's not worth the suffering (laughs) now the last one i got on here for you on the superlatives is the most gruesome execution of the year oh and that happens to go to all of the nintendo universe (laughs) specifically in the super smash brothers ultimate opening cutscene how could they first of all they gave us a a teaser of death Mm. earlier in the year with luigi's very real and very abrupt demise and then even before that they killed mario they killed Mega Man. I think oh i they forgot about sonic that. i forgot about that they all ridley came in there and just axed him like mm. a xenomorph holy shit but then that was them that was them literally having appetizers they were getting their toes wet and then they dove in and murdered the rest of the nintendo universe save for that beautiful bouncing boy kirby mcstar is that his full name? Uh, Kerbixta Star. Kerbixta Star. Kerbixta Star. Or Kirby, for short. <laughs> that was the funniest shit, though. We were just like, what's going on? Oh, this light's taking them? No, it's incinerating them. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the most ridiculous, most beautifully animated cinematics I've seen all year. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Like, no doubt. No doubt. It's good. And if anything, it was just the most appropriate callback to Infinity War for me. It yeah. was. It it felt like a bigger crossover than Infinity mm. War. More impactful, too, I would say. Yeah. I wonder who yeah. Sakurai is going to kill this year. <laughs> <laughs> All the DLC characters will be, like, murdered in the final video. <laughs> the final direct. It's like, by the way, we're taking him out of the game. Bye! <laughs> Finally got Banjo. Oh, he got Please. incinerated. 
<laughs> Fuck. All right, man. You want to get into this game of the year talk? Game of the year talk? Hot topic of the episode? Oh, of course. But before we do that, mm. we got to talk about some honorable mentions. Aww. They're going to get little little honor crowns. Here's honor a, crown. Here's a crown of mention. Bing. Now we had a yeah so we we did did it top five because if we both did a top ten this episode would be three years long it's mm-hmm. already three years long I'm sorry mm-hmm. but there are some games that just didn't make the top five cut but these are the ones that stood out the most for us I know you got a little list running so we're gonna we're gonna drive through these real quick huh honestly I think between my two lists it's literally every 2018 game that I played. I don't think I missed anything, really. <laughs> Everything I played this year <laughs> it's, are it, my favorite games of the year. It's all there, to be honest. No, 2018 was a pretty standout year for gaming experiences. It was varied in a lot of different ways in terms of AAA, yeah. AA indie games. And it, it really stands out to me, for sure. So I think, big or small, I think every game this year had one thing in common, though. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, say in 2018. Uh, they were all open world games. Every, every single, single one. one every yeah. single one was an open fucking world game. Can we talk about this? <laughs> I'm so glad Resident Evil 2 is not an open world game oh, somehow. God. No. <laughs> and Kingdom Hearts 3, that's up in the air. We don't know, right? It might be like it kind might... of closed circuit open world for sure. Oh, you know I love that closed circuit open world action. Listen, 2019, less open world games. Less open world. Let's get, get to it. Give me your honor. Okay, so... My top five list is pretty locked in. These games are on here because they stood out to me for one reason or another. They aren't quite at the caliber of like, they really stood out to me in terms of this generation of gaming, but rather there was something about them that was endearing and called to me and was right place, right time for me and really just hit. So I've got a list of seven. I'm just going to fly through them right here. Um, I'm going to start from my least notable honorable mention to my most notable oh uh, yeah i'm, I'm gonna kind of do a reverse flow on here but my my one on the bottom is detroit become human get the fuck out of here yeah 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 i gotta um I, I gotta give it to quantic dream they really delivered a, a cool narrative experience even if it missed the mark with some of its messaging i thought the themes were interesting it, it's hard for them to really stand out like i've, I've said before in uh <sighs> against such entities as westworld and better sci-fi but they tried. They had three kind of intermingling stories that worked for me at times. Um, and I, I enjoyed it for the most part, you know? Not a bad game. Not a bad game. It's actually okay. probably one of the best PS4 exclusives that there is. It's just bogged down by the controversy of David Cage. And it's schlocky, heavy-handed themes about racism. Shouldn't have done it. It's a game about robots. You don't have to roll the civil rights movement into it, guys. <laughs> but... Graphically sounding. I feel like that's the easiest metaphor to go for Mm -hmm. when it comes to like robot rights. They all do it. Every piece of fucking fiction is like, let's just make it like the civil rights. But no, no. How about you don't? You didn't need to do it, and it's it's about goddamn androids. Are you kidding me? Really though, but I don't know. It probably played better than any of the narrative games I've played this year in terms of to use the pejorative as people say, walking sims. (gasps) But how dare you? Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Fucking Steve Gaynor is going to crash through the wall right now and just throat kick you. <laughs> He's going to fucking chop me with Gone Home. <laughs> He's going to chop you with Gone Home and then port it to your dead body. <laughs> All right, next one on the list I've got is the Shadow of the Colossus remake. Blue Point Studios for me really knocked it out of the park. They delivered a remake that 
not only felt like a testament to their original, but it actually kind of felt like a new game. It made me feel like I was experiencing Shadow of the Colossus for the first time all over again. Major shout outs to the touches on graphics, sound design, and even allowing me to kind of remap my controllers a little bit. It kind of took it out of the PS2 era and made it feel less stymied for me. That's good. Yeah. I, I wanted to check that one out. I always think about just because I know you're not playing it, just yoinking it from your room and playing it. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm afraid that I'm going to get stuck in the same thing with all of um, Team Eco. Yeah. With all of their games, which is like, the gameplay's not that good. I mean, the, the core tenets of finding the giant, it was always a little difficult, like having to use your sword to navigate the light. I'm like, okay, there's a beam of light. The Colossus is in that general direction. It, but that you know, was always a little complicated. You know what I mean? It's always it's clunky. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel good to do the things that you're doing in, of the, course. in in those games. And I feel like I've been burned so hard by The Last Guardian that I am not interested in their games whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're very they're very artful. They're mm-hmm. they're visually arresting games, but when it comes to game games, they're not fun to me. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's more about the the scale and the emotional experience, people could argue. and But, yeah. you know, if you can't get around the mm-hmm. controls and it feels bad to have your hands on, you don't have to play it. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. Which I haven't. Exactly. All right, next honorable mention on my list here is Gris. We talked about it on the last episode. Really just kind of a standout experience for me in terms of the indie space. Gris. Beautiful watercolor graphics, amazing soundtrack. The platforming, while very easy and handheldy, was uh, it was endearing. It was it was charming. It was more about just playing the game and experiencing the emotional journey rather than challenging you with like Celeste like platforming or punishing you. It was just like, no, we have a, a little message we want to tell you with the story, and here it is. And mm-hmm. I thought that was great. I think it gets bogged down in comparison to Journey for me because I think Journey was better explored in the 3D space. And I feel like if Gris opened it up a little bit and had more of a three dimension to it and more exploration, it would have served my replay value a little more or maybe Mm -hmm. the experience for me. Mm -hmm. But not to take away from it, great game, really wonderful, and I can't recommend it enough. You have another, your next game uh, on the list is kind of like that too, where it's kind of a one and done mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like it's it's, vis- it's it's great the visuals are great art style all that mm-hmm. and then it's just kind of done yeah i mean i think i replayed some of the levels on it just because there was replay <clears throat> value there and it's a pretty easy platinum donut county is the one that we're talking yeah. about it's the next one on my list game done by ben esposito born from a, a game jam it really stood out to me because the art style was really cool the music that sort of indie chill wave i think by daniel costner was really like just entrancing like you take the core tenets of it being sort of a, an inverse Katamari, really mm-hmm. interesting uh, physics-based puzzle game where you're just dropping things into a hole, making the hole bigger until you get everything in the hole and levels over. But I just, I love the places it drawed inspiration from. I thought it was really interesting that a lot of the levels were inspired by like Bruce Springsteen songs of all places. Yeah, And it, I don't know, it had a very, it was, it was engaging on a lot of levels, but it had this loneliness to it that kind of called me to me too i don't know and it was probably the funniest game i've played this year i i can't shout out enough the item descriptions Mm -hmm. like as you drop stuff into the hole you can kind of like hit your start menu and it'll basically describe to you all the things you've sucked in much like katamari does yeah but it it had a lot more kind of like biting humor to it there there is a definite katamari influence to the game it's a neat idea Mm -hmm. and it's fun how they execute it i like its narrative i i I really enjoyed the shit out of the game i Mm -hmm. remember we both i picked it up and you're like what is this yeah. and i was like it's donut county man no i sat on your floor for like 30 minutes to an hour yeah. watching it and it, it took me in the same way that katamari did like just 
by storm i was like i gotta play mm. this game but in the same way that you feel about greece i wish there was more to it mm-hmm. that's it like i liked it so much that i wish there was a replayability mm-hmm. to it but it seems like for certain indie games they can only really do just like yeah. here's the, here's our vision and that's what we got out for me it i love that it has a sort of katamari affording to it where i can sit down with a friend i'm like hey i have this game i want to show you and i just put the controller in their mm-hmm. hand the controls are really simple there's yeah. not too much to it no learning curve really it's like okay if you get that you can put certain shapes into the size hole then you'll get that you can do it and that's all there really is to it so just just really stand out there and i wanted to shout that one out um next one here is call of duty black ops 4 it actually surprised the hell out of me why isn't that in your top five dude I don't know. It's like your number one, right? Definitely was my number one of November, for sure. <laughs> no, it was it was a really standout game. You can't really fuck up the core tenets of Call of Duty too hard. Like, they're known for being snappy shooters, really arcadey, really fun. And it foregoed having a campaign to really put its efforts into three interesting uh, multiplayer modes. Between blackout mode, zombies, and then multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like every time I sat down with it, like, if I was bored with one mode, I had something else I could ping with. And I'm like, alright, cool, I'll play blackout for a little bit. And then I'm like, well, I'm dying a lot in blackout and, you know, not actually getting anywhere close to being number one, so I'll play zombies. And there was always something to kind of jump between that made it worth going back to for me. I think it was interesting <laughs> going into a... Um kind of a battle royale mode that wasn't Fortnite and didn't do the building thing and mm-hmm. i was like oh this could be fun because we neither of us ever played PUBG. yeah so that was kind of our first foray into this is what a serious battle royale mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not that serious yo it's kind of funny yeah some of it's kind of funny we're, we're getting to fucking helicopters and crashing into lakes and such and then sometimes it feels like a like a horror thriller because we're hiding out from dudes with better guns than exactly us. we're hiding in a gas station and hoping they don't notice the broken window because that means we fucking leapt through it <laughs> no it had some really fun and interesting emergent moments and i think it called to me more than Fortnite did because i don't i'm not crazy about the minecraft building on the fly aspects i would just i wanted to be able to shoot and run and gun and have fun with it that way and blackout gives me that for sure second to last one on the list here is tetris effect for me i didn't know i was a tetris guy until this game came out i got the demo it was probably a 30 minute to an hour demo that i played for three four hours it's a tetris effect dude. it is the tetris effect man. it makes I... you a tetramino dude i've been thinking in tetraminos all week <laughs> actually it's so I, w- I went to our little gym you know the elliptical mm-hmm. when you're doing the levels and all that yeah. like the the little ui that it has it looked like it tetris does. lines and i was i just wanted to drop a, i was like a long <laughs> pray for the it. long as we've been saying pray for the long that's but what'll get you through the night you got me the game for christmas and i've been going hard on it ever since i love it it's just a really standout yeah. music puzzle mm-hmm. game and it's you can't do much to fuck Tetris up, but this definitely like did a lot to enrich the experience for me because I'm a big music guy. Yeah, and granted, like you you were telling me, you're like I'm not crazy about a lot of the songs because it's like a lot of EDM and like a lot of house music, a lot of house kind, music kind of stuff. But I, I I like it. I think it fits the ambiance of the game really nicely. No, it, it fits the point of what they're trying to do, which is like show different kind of music from different cultures, mm-hmm. and it's all about like unification and mm-hmm. togetherness and such. And like I think it drives that point home. But mm-hmm. you know, some of the songs are kind of whack. That's all. That's yeah. all I gotta say. The journey mode is is pretty interesting, and I I do love that there are a variety of other modes. There's like chill modes, and then there's um. Oh god, I forget what it's called, but it's like random effects mode where like core tenets of Tetris, they drop, but then maybe the level will flip or you'll be upside down or like you'll get smaller pieces Mm -hmm. or you'll have bombs that you have to defuse and it kind of just adds another layer to the gameplay. 
No, it's it is a sensational, yeah, sensational game. It is the ultimate Tetris. I know there's a game called Tetris Ultimate, but this is the ultimate Tetris that you need to play. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. And then the last one I've got on my honorable mentions is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. You, you can't talk about 2018 without talking about this game. I know. I it's it's a huge sensation, but yeah, it. Well, what is it that kept it out of your top ten, top five? Hmm. I think what kept it out of my top five was. I don't want to say that it's just a fighting game, but like... Oh, it's for, like that. The the ones that I have in my top five really offered me something I've never gotten before from a game. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is, is phenomenal. It's a standout fighting game. The best Super Smash Bros. for me since Melee. It has a lot to offer in terms of, you know, modes, levels, customization. It's super, super accessible. Um, and I love I love the bevy of characters across the roster, and it definitely made me fall in love with it all over again. It's just I don't know. It's it's just Smash. Like oh, there it is. Like, We're cutting to it's just Smash. That's the thing. Like it's for me. It's it's my old standby. <laughs> it's the fighting game that I will always love, and I I respect its its ambition and its I, scope. I don't know when it happened. I don't know when you became a Nintendo hater. I'm not a hater. I don't got my, that Nintendo hater going right you now. You got that hater rate for <laughs> Nintendo because Smash is like number one. It's okay. got more. It's got more game characters than any game combined this year. It's so true. obviously, it's number one. No, it it's got a lot to offer. It's definitely we talked about last time. It is the penultimate. Well, not penultimate, but it is the ultimate <laughs> Nintendo experience. Lots of lore, history, and and everything baked into it. So, no, I I love it. But it's a fighting game, and fighting games aren't your main jammy. I think for me. What qualifies as, as game of the year listing, it has to have, it has to be well-rounded, mm-hmm. you know, it has to have a great single player, multiplayer experience, story mode, music, all this other stuff that plays it. And granted, like I'm saying all these things that apply to Smash, mm-hmm. it's just, it didn't give me a narrative experience in all these other games that I'm leaning into for my top five okay. did. So. Right, right, right. These are <laughs> audience, save roommates. These, mm-hmm. these are our top fives. Mm-hmm. They're the games that spoke to us. Not necessarily like, oh, we're trying to rank everything out there. We didn't play everything that came out this year. No, we really didn't. Missed out on a bunch. You you won't hear anything about The Messenger this year. No, unfortunately not. And we didn't get our hands on Celeste either. These are two Mm -hmm. games that we wanted to play. Yeah. But uh, they keep on coming out with games. And we keep on having full-time jobs. That's true. So until until we can edge out one or the other, (laughs) we won't get it to them all. But yeah, I feel you. Okay. Okay. Smash Brothers. Yeah. Those are mine. I have some honorable mentions my dog um some of which you already have okay uh one of them being call of duty black ops 4 i don't have any order to this but call of duty black ops 4 i i think this one is great it's really great i loved world war ii that mm-hmm. came out last year as well i that one had a good campaign okay. and had a very good multiplayer but this one just it has those callbacks to black ops lore you know like you're going to the old zombie maps or even in blackout it's like this is a fucking black ops one map mm-hmm. how am i here what is gridlock doing here or what, what, what's the other one firing range what's yep. firing range doing in the middle of this it, it's so cool it's good it feels good they got rid of the jetpack bullshit from the last three iterations and kind of made it grounded but kept the good shit from black ops 3 which was the um whoa what do you call it the specialists mm-hmm. so the specialists have the different uh powers that you can set and all that which is kind of like the destiny overcharge attacks and okay. such which is really cool um i i enjoyed that one but there's not much more you can say about call of duty other than you know it's fun yeah <laughs> now my other one on here I do have Super Smash Brothers Ultimate on my honorable mentions because I didn't think I'd be so taken with this game because okay. I've never really gotten the Smash like that, dude. 
never really gave a shit about Smash. Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, I played Melee by myself, played the original N64 game by myself. I didn't have, like, a, a group of friends with common interests. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was usually the only video game kid out of, like, okay. whatever friends group going on growing up, which was the worst. Let me tell you what. But I do like for us, though, that it's that game where it's, like, if we're kind of bored or we, like, we want to hang out and we want to do something together, we, you're like, hey, you want to Smash for, like, an hour? And we'll just, we'll play a few <laughs> stock matches, we'll unlock some characters for you or for me, and we'll go on with our day. It's just, like, a, a fun little way to just hang back and not take a game too seriously i mean that's that's what your tinder profile says you want to smash for like just an hour (laughs) (laughs) shit (laughs) yeah no i i agree that's what it is and i i do i like taking it the way i do because a lot of people are like oh i race to get all the fucking characters Mm -hmm. I haven't. I still haven't unlocked all characters, so it's kind of fresh every time that I play. It's like, oh, who's this challenger? Da, da, yeah. da, da. Like, I'm taking it very casually, which is fun. Yeah, we're still working through it. But I'm I'm typically very casual with my Switch. Okay. You know, I hear a lot of people out there going like, I've, I've completely switched the Switch this year. All these indie games loving it. I'm just like, yeah, okay, cool. But, you know, some of the most terrific games that came out this year, in my mind, didn't come out on the mm-hmm. Switch. I Hey, different strokes for different folks. Okay? Yeah. That's all. Smash is great. But not my top five. The next one on here is also another Nintendo game that came out this year. It's actually Hyrule Warriors, the deluxe edition. Hell yeah. That's the first time I've ever played Hyrule Warriors. Okay. I know there was the Wii U and then there's a 3DS edition. That's the one I played. This one is fucking great. This is the ultimate Zelda game on the Switch, in my opinion. <laughs> it has so many callbacks to the series, like, overall. Mm-hmm. You play as fucking Midna and different iterations of Zelda. All the attacks. And it happens to be... Yeah, no, we're going to say it. it is the best Miso slash Dynasty Warriors game. Really? It is the best. There's Even better a... than like, uh, what is it? Gundam? Uh, uh, better than Gundam. <laughs> no, what, there's Berserk? Yeah, oh, it's Band better than the Berserk. Hawk. Yep. Oh, fuck yeah. Come on. Okay. <laughs> that one's like low budget. Low, okay. it, 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 that's a copy and paste job that they do. Okay. They're like, we have this Fist of the North Star one that we made 200 years ago. Let's just swap out all the characters. No, this one, Hyrule Warriors, feels like it's built from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be in no small part from Nintendo walking and going like, yeah, but better than this. <laughs> I love that each area too ramps up to like a certain boss fight that is tied to like Nintendo history. Or not Nintendo yeah. history, rather. Zelda history. Zelda history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That shit's great. I like that game a lot. Now, I got a twofer on this one. Okay. I got two games, and I'm, it's kind of interesting how much love was set toward this one. Dead Cells. Dead Cells, I think, is a fantastic game. It has great music. It's got a wonderful style. It's got a got humor oozing out of it in surprising ways. And it's one of the most interesting and accessible roguelikes to come out in a long time. I think you can get people that don't know what roguelikes are mm-hmm. like, and to play this game and they get it you know they're like oh okay i see the gameplay loop i i think the procedural generation for the levels is really cool okay i like everything about that game but at a certain point it gets to be i don't know a little bit much like it does kind of suck it feels like a luck of the draw situation when Mm -hmm. you're getting through because it's all about hopefully i find a really good weapon on this run or hopefully i can get through the boss on this run and hopefully i have enough power-ups or enough uh accessory weapons to take them down yeah and then some runs you have fucking just awful, awful runs where you're dying from, like, the fucking zombies in the sewer, you know? And, and like, that, that doesn't always feel good. Sometimes you really just do feel like you're hitting your head against the wall. Or you're not is... making any progress. Exactly. Like, you described it to me a handful of times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that sounds like my kind of game, but also kind of frustrating. And this was the first year that I actually played any sort of roguelike. 
when I went home to Florida, I played Spelunky and Rogue Legacy with Dave. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of my, like, me getting my feet wet. And I think Spelunky is probably, like, super accessible for me because it's just, like, you literally just have to get to this end door and complete the dungeon. And it's, like, oh, yeah, there's variants. It's procedurally generated. But, like, it's not like Dead Cells where it's, like, I'm amping up to a boss fight or actually trying to, like, mm-hmm. have a sense of progression that feels meaningful, you know? Yeah. I feel that. I and I it really is just about like how much time and effort you're willing to put into it and how how much you're willing to figure out the different systems, yeah. but it does have very snappy great hack and slash gameplay you feel like you can get real dodgy with it you can get clever with it too with how you uh attack enemies and dodge them or you can break through doors and make people stunned it's fucking great. Cool. I think it's a great game. It's but it's not in my top 5 and I also do not think it's better than one other game. My last honorable mention goes to Hollow Knight. Mm. Hollow Knight is a special game. Hollow Knight is a wonderful game. It is a work of art. I have to tell you, I don't understand why people aren't screaming to the heavens about Hollow Knight mm. more than they are. It seems like people made a bit bigger fucking hubbub about Dead Cells, and I gotta tell you, that's a crime. Hollow Knight is fucking just a work of art through and through. It's so good, I got you to buy it twice. I bought it for the Switch, and I bought it for my <laughs> fucking PS4. And I don't know what it says about me. I got way more mileage out of the PS4 edition than mm-hmm. I did uh, Switch. No, I'm the same way where it's like over the summer we got it for the Switch and I dropped mm-hmm. off at a certain point. Same with you. And then when they did the Void Heart edition uh, in September, I went hard into it. I actually beat the main story and like there's still more for me to go back to, but like I was able to sink into it a little more adequately. Right. So and it, for me... <sighs> like what makes it that way and it, it, it almost ended up in the top five but mm. i just feel like this is a game where there's really wonderful experiences that i had to put up there mm-hmm. this almost made it this almost made it but the two things that, that hold me back from putting it on my top five is one <clears throat> is that the backtracking gets to be a bit fucking much in that game like way too much the whole thing it's a metroidvania so of course there's a lot of like oh go back to this when you have the right power-up stuff but the levels are so massive and just so winding and so many different pathways and tunnels, it gets really convoluted to do so. And mm-hmm. it also takes the whole Dark Souls death feature where if you die, you start at, you know, your bench is mm-hmm. what it is in this game, but it's essentially your fire, okay. your fire link. So you start back at that and you have to work your way through the map again to get to the point where you died. And that gets really frustrating because it's super easy to get confused, even when you're staring at the goddamn map Mm -hmm. to figure out where the fuck you are in that game. Some of my progress was really stymied in that game because I spent so much time just getting lost after a death. That's not always fun. That's fair. That hinders it for me a little bit. And then the other thing is I didn't complete the game. I've played a bunch of the game. Mm But I didn't complete the game. So that's why I didn't want to be like, eh, this is higher above, you know, this or that. Mm-hmm. But I love that game. Through and fucking through. No, I'm, I'm glad you, you got into it harder and that it's it's definitely shout out worthy for you. It it's, is. It's special. It's a really special I got to tell you. And I'll, I'll scream it to, to the ends of the earth. It's a better game than Dead Cells. It is a better game than Dead Cells. Do not sleep on it. What? Just they're two different experiences, but what about roguelike versus Dark Souls? What about like Hollow Knight makes it better, more sound for you? What makes it more sound is that there's a sense of character that permeates throughout the world, Mm -hmm. even though it's kind of a dead, archaic world. There's a history in 
every screen. Mm -hmm. There is lore just dripping through. It very much kind of calls back to Miyazaki's flavor of visual storytelling. And then there's a few characters that you meet are just wonderfully weird. The whole game reminds me of playing like an interactive Metroidvania version of Over the Garden Wall. Okay. Like it's just a weird rabbit hole story that just goes deeper and deeper with weird stuff. But there's like question marks. There's like, wait, if I'm not the Hollow Knight, who's the Hollow Knight? Yeah. You figure that out very quickly. It's like, who's the Hollow Knight? Who's this other person that looks like me but is attacking me every time I, I meet them? No, it, it is interesting. Like the more questions I had answered, the more questions I in turn had. Like mm-hmm. for as much lore as it gives you, it gives you so much intrigue and mystery behind all of it. So it just hits harder, resonates more, and it's a more exploratory game that beckons you to search more of it, mm-hmm. whereas Dead Cells literally punishes you the farther you get into the game. That's the nature of that game, but that's why I favor Hollow Knight. Okay. No, those yeah. are fair points. So we're going to get into our, our top five respective lists here. Get into it. We're going to just do one for one. I'll do my number five, he'll do his, and back yeah. and forth until we get to our number one and then our save room game of the year. And then, yeah, we'll we'll do the math real quick, figure yeah. out what what's what, okay? Yeah, we got to crunch some numbers. We got the accountant going. Clem, you working? No, she's asleep. All right. Number five on, on my list here, Monster Hunter World. Monster mm-hmm. Hunter was always one of those franchises that I always wanted to get into, but I didn't know how. I didn't know what was like the perfect jumping point. I know that there were entries on like the 3DS, and I think uh, there was some on the PS2 or PS3, but I, n- I never got into those. Monster Hunter World seemed like the the first onboarding point that felt like it was for me because it was it was on ps4 um, not an exclusive granted but you know it had a games of service online experience that i felt like would be accessible for me and my friends and i think it's the game that challenged me to learn it the most this year because mm. i never played anything like that there are a lot of systems that like on paper made sense but in actuality in terms of like button mapping or figuring out the control scheme of it didn't it was it was a hard game to master but i feel like every time i sat down with it I got better. I love being immersed in the world, setting out on expeditions. Like For me, it had all these really interesting biomes and environments that were fun to explore, and each area had monsters that were tied to it and ecosystems. And it, it was always interesting because you would go on an expedition, you would hunt something, and you're like, this is the biggest thing I'm going to fight. And then you would come across something that was even bigger or more gruesome. Mm-hmm. You, would, you would come into these situations where you're like, Oh, I'm hunting an anginath. It's the biggest thing. And then a fucking like bigger monster would come take a bite out of it and throw it aside. You're like, oh, hello there, you. And you would have to find ways to best that next monster. There was always a thrill about setting out, whether it was by myself or with friends. And I probably logged close to 200 hours into that game. It was one that you and I got into voraciously. We sure fucked up. Um, and I, I, I took pleasure in having mastered it to a point. And definitely, like, I appreciate that it had RPG elements, but it wasn't a hard RPG. Literally, no matter what sort of character you can, you create. The Game Awards disagrees with you, Daniel. Fuck it, fuck it, whatever. It's an RPG. No matter what sort of character you create, you can literally use any of the weapons. You could use the hammer, you could use yeah. the twin blades, you could use broadswords, heavy swords, this or that. And, like, it really pushed you to experiment and try it all and i I thought that was really fun there there were some enemies that you had to best by using different sorts of weapons and Mm. i don't know for that full month of january into february it was about the hunt it was about 
getting armor sets. It was about doing events. It was about seeing how many monsters I could hunt in the shortest amount of time. And it was fun. It was- that, that was the thing that the call to action in the house uh, when this game first came out was like, we gonna hunt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like every day. Yeah. We were ready to hunt. We're gonna hunt. It was great. It was great. It reminded me of the early days of jumping in into Destiny and people getting excited about like, let's go mm-hmm. out there. Let's do it. You know? That that game brought that back. No, it, so- was, it was definitely my favorite game of service from uh, 2018. And I appreciate how they continually support it with all their capcom themed events they had a street fighter one mega man devil may cry they had a final fantasy event they have a fucking witcher one coming early oh, you're gonna year. make me capcom assassin's creed like there's so much like that they're trying to do to keep it going and keep it fresh for for new people and there's a reason why it was the best-selling capcom game this year you know but it's also your number five mm-hmm. what brings it down for you the story was kind of I knew it was kind of boilerplate after a while it was the same thing it's like oh no we're going out with the um i forget her name the caretaker you go out with the, the caretaker and she's like we're gonna establish this new land in the name of the hunt in the name of the sapphire star whatever whatever and it's the same deal like oh no we can't make camp here until we defeat this b- monster oh no there's a bigger monster there's a bigger monster that and granted those are all things i loved i i said it i, I love those things but for a story standpoint it's like this is all you're really affording me i think <laughs> even if this game was your number one it deserves to get dropped down mm-hmm. at least four notches because of the whole cutscene waiting thing yeah hey we're on a party oh it looks like the party initiator didn't see this cutscene yet looks like you boys gotta wait yeah <laughs> what the fuck let me skip a cutscene for once. They're not good, Capcom. Why are you forcing me to digest them? Yeah, the the online matchmaking was a little convoluted and definitely required you to do a little more than you knew at times. It wasn't as snappy as it could have been. Yeah. It could have been like that flawless Fortnite, I'm in. Hey, mm-hmm. what's up? What are we hunting? Mm-hmm. Kind of style. It wasn't that. It wasn't but, that. I mean, to its credit, it had community boards that made it easier to ju- easy to jump into matches and whatnot, but it still required you to menu dive, confirm three separate times, watch yeah. cutscenes, do this, do that. True. But, I don't know. I loved it, and I don't know that I will go back to it hard anytime soon, but I, I want to keep poking in and out with the I events. I want to. So. Okay, my number five on here, Daniel, is, of course, Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh. Ooh, doesn't climb higher on the list, but there's a lot of good reasons for why I put it on here. Mm -hmm. Because when I actually looked at what are the games that impacted me, what are the games that actually make me fucking feel something, Mm -hmm. Red Dead was on there. Despite my initial cynicism with its clunkiness and arbitrary design decisions, of which... I still have problems with. Don't get me wrong. I still have a problem with how fucking slow Arthur moves, like he's straddling a poop in between his legs. He's trying to make sure it doesn't fall. I have a problem with the whole the survivalist uh, aspect. It's a little bit much at times. It's a little bit... There's too much management, and sometimes it just kind of hinders my enjoyment when it's like, oh, well, you go on a hunt and get some food, and it's like, fuck, that took like 20 minutes out of my goddamn day just to accomplish. Mm -hmm. That's all not my favorite. And in fact, I will say it is probably one of the less dynamic open worlds in gaming in a while. Okay, It's beautiful, and there's a lot of stuff going on in it, but it's not always interesting, and it's not always something that I feel like I should be forced to fucking gallop through Mm -hmm. and the game does that a lot because it has very strict requirements for its fast travel including in-game money Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know you got to use a stagecoach to go back to your camp this kind of thing you have you eventually get a fucking 
what do you call it, a, a map at your camp that lets you fast travel to places you've been to before, but that's a one-way street, baby. Mm-hmm. You got to go pay for a stagecoach and hope that the stagecoach showed up in town for you to go back. <laughs> yeah, that that was a little frustrating. You want to have this really big wor- world mm-hmm. that you want us to explore, but you want to make navigating it kind of a pain, whether it's how fast Arthur moves, how fast my horse moves, or how convoluted the fast travel is. Like, If they had added more points, I feel like we would have been more inclined to jump into parts of the open world i think so too what stymies the game is that its attempts for realism Mm -hmm. kind of clash with the video game of it Mm -hmm. it it clashes with like okay well your character moves like shit so obviously gunfights are not great you know i feel super clunky and slow with the cover shooting doesn't feel snappy and some of the auto locking is just very strange but god forbid you turn it off because combat becomes just a nightmare Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay now, despite all of this, it is on my top five because you get to a certain point where the story takes off. It is amazing. It's one of my favorite stories this year. It has something to say and it says it very well. And you don't even realize at first what it's trying to tell you mm-hmm. until you get to the end almost. And you're like, wow, it's about the dissolution of a lifestyle. It's about somebody who knows that their death is coming in more than one way. Mm. The death of their lifestyle, maybe themselves, maybe their future is just, it ain't going to be there. And it's not even about uncertainty anymore. They're certain it's going to end. And yet he is moving through this life and watching everyone still clamor and try to hold on to it. Dutch mm-hmm. being the ultimate <clears throat> ringleader in this, somebody that refuses to let go refuses to let go of his version of the american dream which is so rapidly declining around him it is an interesting tale i did not enjoy arthur morgan at first and then when it when you get to a certain again you just get to a certain point where you watch these characters grow a bit and i was like holy fuck he is probably one of the most dynamic uh, leads in gaming in quite some time Hmm. watching a character and watching through their eyes learn is so interesting and painful at the same time when he's when he sees it when he catches on that it ain't gonna go the way we want it to Mm -hmm. you feel it you feel his weight going through the game i i enjoy all of that that all of that was so fucking good The, the characters you meet what they do with them how they kind of juxtapose different ideologies how they meet in the middle it is one of the most interesting stories I've seen in a game in a very long time, and that's why it climbs up there alone because of its story. Yeah. You know, the gameplay could have been even worse, and if that story was still where it's at, I'd still be like, yeah, this is one of the best games this year. Now, you got to give it to the Housers for the amount of effort that they put into that story and the sort of themes that a video game like that straddled. Like, you, you're not seeing too many things like that in modern gaming. I mean, we, mm. we get pockets of it here and there, mm. but to see it... At the forefront of a gigantic AAA game, mm-hmm. to have this slow burn story, I, I got to tell you that that's a it is a bold choice because mm-hmm. it's gonna buck off a lot of people. You know that that intro alone, the fucking two hours where you're stuck on that mountain, was the worst way to open a game of its type. But there's a point to it eventually. That's true. I remember us like opening night of that game after the hundred gigabyte install, where we're like, mm-hmm. we're not sure if we like this yet. We're not sure if we like where it's going. And there were twenty hours that followed. Where we're like, yeah, we're still not really sold on this. We're gonna play it because we know we need to. A lot of that we didn't enjoy until we really started to love it. And I'm I'm surprised that this game ended up on your list because I asked yeah. you when we first played it. You're like, hey, is there any prospect of this being on your game your list? You're like, probably not. I was like, probably not. The, honestly, my first ten hours of the game. I was just like, I'm not seeing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not into this. 
And once you get past that that hump, when you get past all those introductory missions and, and just feeling like you're on the rails and it wasn't even the fact that like, oh, it let me go out in the open world that I started to enjoy. Not at all. In fact, at no point did I really fall in love with that open world. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with these characters. I fell in love with their story. I fell in love with, I guess, the death of the cowboy era, mm-hmm. essentially, or the death of the outlaw is more appropriate. Mm-hmm. That is a cool story. Red Dead Redemption 1 touched on it. This one truly shows you it, mm. you know? So that's, I just ended up loving it. There's moments that actually choked me up in this in this game. I don't think there was another game that choked me up this year. Red Dead Redemption did. Interesting. Where I'm just watching something, I'm just like, yeah. There's some late game missions with a character by the name of... Put it in my notes, hang on here. Character by the name of Rainsfall. And some of the things he says, like he he's... Is he, he one of the Native American characters? Correct. Okay. He is the leader. And he has a son who's kind of just all hot up about war and all that shit. And, you know, Rainsfall is like, I was there, but I'm old enough to have seen enough enough fools decide who lives or die where it just doesn't make sense anymore Mm -hmm. and he says things that just really get to you he's just like he's like i don't think men change at all i just think they become more of who they are like over time just like these very fucking philosophical like lightning bolts where you have these conversations where arthur's talking the rains fall just about life and warfare and man in general and just having these small snippet conversations that just cut so much those were my favorite moments in this game. Just them talking about this lifestyle coming to an end. <laughs> it's so interesting. Dude. Yeah, I think they start to do that more ch- from chapter three moving forward, and it all it all gets more interesting the more the story heats up. You got to beat it. I do. I'm still in chapter five right now. You got to beat it. Yeah, because all the shit that I'm talking about has not happened yet. No, I legit. I I said I was gonna play more in between the last episode in this one and i think i probably played 40 hours of tetris effect yeah i think you did that so well you're a mood gamer that's what's gonna happen the mood gamers the moment true. that you view a game as a chore is when you're gonna put it down forever beating red dead is a chore to you mm-hmm. i know it yeah. it was a chore to me there's some moments where it's just like okay i beat a mission and now i'm on my fucking horse way away from camp but i think it's worth it okay i think it's worth it my number four is actually red dead redemption 2 which is equally, equally surprising for from where it started out and a lot of the criticisms i had so a lot of the beginning hours really they intrigued me but it it all was hindered by one thing or another whether it was a slow burn that i knew was going to lead to something or the deliberate pacing of certain missions or how slow arthur moved or how whenever i tried to do something i wanted to do in the world it would push back and tell me no I think over time it all evolved as you went from one setting to the next, when you went from camp to the next, from camp to civilization. I think once the game started to branch out past the, hey, we are outlaws living this outlaw life and and try to tell a bigger story, that's when I was like, okay, there's something really special and important happening here. I think I enjoyed a lot of the gameplay a bit more than you did uh, initially. I, I like the cover system a lot. I think it's it's snappy in a lot of ways. Shooting out in the open kind of sucks. I feel exactly the opposite about that. No, I, that's what I was I saying. played a lot of cover shooters, mm-hmm. and this is probably one of the worst. I'm not saying it is one of the best, but I think it's good for I what don't, it is. I, Snappy is like the opposite of any... I, that one actually bewilders me. Snappy? When really? When you're in cover and you go out to shoot a certain person, like yeah. if you just have your camera sort of angled towards it, when you come out of it, your reticle goes to them automatically. Oh, I know. What you, okay, that's what you mean. Like, I mean, moving like from cover to cover sucks in this game. No, that, that's a little that's a little stifling. That one... <laughs> that shit sucks because he, he fucking gets his old man jump yeah. going between a rock to another rock. No, and I, I feel like I'm that's stumbling in between shots and it's just like... Okay. Oh, I'm gonna get shot on the open. Yeah, 
there. But like no, when okay. I'm when I'm peeking out from cover and trying to take down people or using my red eye to accomplish like I need to like get three criticals on people, it works. It works for me. I, so, well, that see that's the thing that doesn't work for me is that it never encourages you to use the environment because mm-hmm. you can literally just stay behind one cover and do that up and down and just shoot everybody coming at you because they come at you like fucking fish in a barrel. Like, it's not interesting. Whereas, uh, mm. if you look back at Gears of War, they will destroy your cover and you gotta go find another opportune spot within the map to fight back mm. the locusts and such. That's an interesting way to do cover shooting. Sure. This one, you could literally go through it every encounter, stay in one place. <laughs> the only time they ever move you up is when, like, Arthur, we gotta go! And then that's why you're moving up. Not because the enemy did anything interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That shit's that. That's why I'm just like, oh, I can't give it give it to him for that. No, I mean it isn't the best shooter I've played all year. Obviously, like Call of Duty gets that bar none because mm. Call of Duty is a polished shooter. This is like, it's a narrative game first, mechanic game second. Otherwise, though, I loved a lot of the emergent moments. I loved the way the world would react to Arthur as you did more good or more bad. Like I like I've said before, the world would react as you get a certain notoriety about you. People seek you out in interesting ways. Um, there was an instance where, like, I was out in the swamps and I saw like a, a, a noose and a body hanging from it, and I was like, "Let me investigate this." And then out of nowhere, some outlaws jumped me because I'm investigating it. Whether it was because I had a bounty on my head or it's because of what they did, I just found it like a really surprising moment. And there were like so many moments like that in this game that I just I was getting surprised like at every turn. The in between of like, okay, well, I need to go out on a mission, I need to get on my horse and ride for 20 minutes. Like, I didn't always vibe on that, but sometimes it was, like, the exposition that happened along the way that kept me going with it. Whether it's, like, you're riding out with Lenny or Dutch or Jose and you're kind of getting the relationship, it moved along for me and it, it enriched over time. Because in the beginning, I was like, I don't care for this this gang of people. I really don't. Mm-hmm. But then over time, I kind of grew to love them. I, I grew to, like, cherish my moments with Lenny. Or, like, getting to do stuff with Sadie was always really interesting. Seeing her come into her own. and it Sadie ha- has one of the most interesting arcs in this game. Yeah. For sure. It, it had a cast that definitely um, grew with me over time. And I don't know. It's it's for sure a slow burn. But there are a lot of rewarding moments if you stick along with it. The, the best way that somebody put it was, like... This game is not written like a film. It's mm-hmm. written like a novel. Yeah. This is a novel come to life, essentially. No, it's it's an interesting thing to see in this sort of a medium. A game that like has a story that it wants to tell. It doesn't always respect your time, but it's it's out to do something. And it, it accomplishes most of what it tries to. One other shout out for it, um, the sound <clears throat> design. I, I go back and forth on what like my favorite sound design of the year is. I, I mm-hmm. think it might be Red Dead at times. It comes the closest to having sort of the eerie ambiance that like The Last of Us had at times, where like I go into a situation and I hear like eerie creakings of like an instrument or like licks on a piano or like little ambient instruments that just build and set the mood and literally everything you set out to do has a mood tied to it that is just like so well thought out and designed and I don't know, it's great. Shout out to fucking D'Angelo's Unshaken when you're riding out and you're going back to I think it's and I yeah. oh, God. remain on it's so good it's such a like <laughs> love that shit yeah the, the hair was raising on my arm no that that, that was always impressive like the first time they drop a song with lyrics in the game you're like what the fuck mm-hmm. how did you what what yeah. red dead could do this <laughs> no it's, it's a pr- profound moment when they do yeah. it too it's really cool really cool number four goes to assassin's creed odyssey i love this game mm-hmm. i there's not a there's not a single time that i pick up this fucking game and say to myself, like, oh, I got a little bored. Yeah. No, there's always something there. It's a very content-laden game. 
and not all of it is like you know something that oh i definitely need to do this i need to warn completionists out there just take it as it comes in this game man because there is so much there is always going to be something popping on your fucking map Mm -hmm. there is always a new uh perch to go activate and see the environment there is always a like a blacksmith that you need to meet there's always a fucking guy who's just like i need some oil or i can't join the olympics there's always something going on in i this think that's game. why i've stayed away from it so far and that's just on land you fucking hop on a pirate ship <laughs> you're gonna you got a whole nother world you go underwater you can fight some sharks with a goddamn spear you can steal stuff from sunken ships there's just so much going on it's a gigantic game Mm -hmm. underlining the whole experience is that there's some really cool characters there's some really cool story writing i at first i was like okay the whole question marks popping on the map and the gigantic expansive map thing and then even the horse mechanics i was like you're trying to go for a witcher light Mm -hmm. i see what you're doing but the more i got into it i was like oh no, you're paying more respect to the Witcher than I thought, my Mm. dog. You're actually, uh, I I, I shouldn't call this light. It's like a companion piece at this point. Oh, interesting. Because some of the side missions and shit are actually super well thought out. They're surprising and sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. Like Witcher 3 did a lot of that shit where it's like, oh, this is just some side mission. I probably got to go kill some dudes. And Assassin's Creed has a lot of that where most missions end, even missions that you don't think will end with killing a bunch of dudes they do mm-hmm. okay we just i love cassandra i sure i heard rumors that people like to play as alexios mm-hmm. i don't know how that goes cassandra however one of the best performances i've seen in an assassin's creed game That's she is heard. a character she embodies such a character character that it reminds me of just kind of the same level as Ezio. you know where it's okay. like you're immediately drawn to them you're immediately like oh wow okay they're interesting they're dynamic and you're actually given choices in this game, unlike previous uh, Assassin's Creed or older... I, I don't know if Origins did that, right? With the character or dialogue tree stuff? No. Really? So it was just kind of like... What was this is the name? first one to do it. Wasn't it Bardock? Was it? Uh, Bayak. 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 Go, go kill an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it was. This one's like, how about you go kill the eagle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's interesting results from it. And you can actually fuck up missions in this one. You could say the wrong thing or get into a fight with somebody by accident and it's like, oops... I guess there goes that plot thread, but the game doesn't like slap you on the wrist too hard. It's just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> that's what happened in the story now. Okay. Like I, I had a moment where you could either go straight to an arena fight or because you're not, you know, you're not tested yet. You can go train with somebody. Mm-hmm. I could, I was just like, well, the guy was like, Hey, you can pay me off like 1500 doubloon or whatever they were using. I think it's, it's Drachne, right? Drachne in ancient Greek, and they were just like, uh, "You can just pay me off. You can go fight." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> save myself some fucking time." Yeah. And then eventually, you meet that one trainer in the battlefield, and they're looking at you funny. And you know that there would be like extra context to them staring at each other mm-hmm. if you actually trained with this person. But instead, you're just like, "Well, I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, like you can give yourself like extra oomph to the story if you go after all these side quests because they support. They even tell you like, "This is a support quest." Or you, you could do it or not do it. Do the main quest, and there you go. You're going through the main shit. I just think that a lot of people come out of Assassin's Creed. They do. Because it became annualized, and there was a period where after they made Part 2, they made the same game like four times in a row. Until they got to Black Flag, which was like, oh, it's got a boat, so it's different. It was mm-hmm. like, it's still pretty much the same game, but we really like these boat physics. <laughs> but I feel with Origins and Odyssey, they really are taking it and going like, let's 
turn this fucking design on its head. It's got the DNA of Assassin's Creed, but no, they really leaned into what it means to be an open world game. Make it a giant world. It's a beautiful world. It's mm-hmm. a cool world. It's fun to travel in. I never get mad about like, oh, I got to go see what's on the horizon. That's how you know you made a good open world when I'm interested to keep on going. Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed Odyssey does that for me. That's why it ranks a little higher. I want to completely beat it. I felt safe putting it on my top five because I've put no less than 60 hours into the game. No, you've definitely put your time in, and every time you sit down with it, you find something new to love about it or something new mm-hmm. to share with me. I'm like, this is really cool. This is all really unique to Assassin's Creed. A lot of video gamey stuff, a lot of open world RPG shit that it's just like not unfamiliar, just unfamiliar for the franchise to, to tackle and, and take on. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a competent game and I'll, I'll get to it in 2019 mm-hmm. at some point. You're I trying will. to play it? I, I do want to, to. Trying to play it? I started Origins, didn't finish Origins. So How I, far did you get in Origins? Like 10 to 20 hours, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think you might get much further mm-hmm. in Odyssey because it is... Okay, for me, the, the, the Greek lore and all that, it, it hits me harder. Mm-hmm. I like that shit. So that's why I'm going to carry through. And I like I like running into Cyclopses and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's weird. You run into actual mythological creatures at a certain point. Nice. Spoiler. We thought it was just going to be like, this guy's name Cyclops. And that does happen. That's a fake out. Okay. But you fight creatures. That's cool. And a lot of giant animals. I like that it kind of leans into Greek lore a lot. Mm-hmm. There's even a point where you're, what, riding a, a Pegasus or Unicorn. I don't know why you could just buy a Pegasus in the fucking store menu for some reason. And I did. And I haven't turned it off. I really like his yeah. trail of rainbows. You're like, I'm going to ride this horse every day to the end of my days. Yeah, I can't recommend Odyssey enough. It's got a really cool, interesting story that doesn't feel padded on. And, mm-hmm. and despite the, the absolute dearth of side quests, they all really kind of just tie and support the main quest line it's interesting that's cool because i feel like a lot of the side quests and fetch quests that were in origins it felt like just chores that didn't really supplement what i was doing it's just like oh here's another person who needs help why am i helping them i think think the writing saves this game from feeling that way because there there is definitely just like go to this one fort and steal something but it's cassandra's interactions and the characters that you meet are just like okay this makes it a little meatier than it could be Mm -hmm. but yeah one of my faves this year what do you got on here for number three? My number three is Hollow Knight. <gasps> Hollow Knight is, by all means and measures, a masterpiece for me. Team Cherry really knocked it out of the park. We went back and forth before we even put this episode together of whether or not we should even put it on our lists. But Voidheart Edition came out this year, which was the complete edition with all like the patches and DLC. Uh, came out in September for the PS4, although it released last year, I think, on PC. Yeah, I think we got confused because it was just like, why isn't there like awards happening for Hollow Knight? Because the first we've ever, it came out on the Switch and console this year. Mm-hmm. But I guess, yeah, PC last year, so whatever. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. So giving it to Voidheart Edition, the, the edition that actually came out, it, it lands on this list for me for a lot of reasons. It is equal parts eerie, mystical, beautiful and intriguing every step of the way. I don't think I've ever fallen in love with a, a Metroidvania more. The lore, I, I don't think I've ever been more intrigued by like a cast of characters or navigating in that sort of 2D space where it's like, I want to be able to go down the next path and find the next area to see what this world is about because there was so much intrigue into to every area. All very unique. Everything about it just kind of calls to you in interesting ways, whether it's mm-hmm. like 
oh, there's something over there I can't access, or a character mentions a place that, like, oh, it's this long-forgotten area, and you eventually get to it, and you're like, wow, this is as, as great or crazy as, as this person mentioned, and it it really lends to itself in, in such interesting ways. Love the art style. A lot of stuff happening in the foreground, midground, and background that really make it feel more alive than it even is. Because, like you said before, it's a very, like, dead world. You come a lot of cross a lot of dead knights and warriors and characters and it's it feels desolate at times despite like the bevy of of enemies and its cast of characters because a lot of time you're really just navigating stretches and and corridors like by yourself but there's still like a life to it which is is really surprising i mean i feel like that's just bolstered by the music yeah as well the music is some of my fucking favorite that i've, that I've heard in, in, in a game in a while like city of tears one of my favorite themes yeah holy shit so i mean i, t- I talk about red dead redemption 2 being my my favorite mm. sound design this year but um the soundtrack for hollow knight by christopher larkin hands down my favorite score favorite original soundtrack just really it adds to the experience like to be in a fight and then just hear certain instruments kick in we we talked about like the harpsichords and the dual violins and like harpsichords little instruments here and there that like just create like such an ambiance whether it's suspense or climax or mystery or sadness or sorrow like it's it's all there Mm -hmm. and it it hits on so many interesting moody game for sure it's it's very moody and i love that like every time i think i've discover the last thing I'm, I'm gonna discover i find a new area or i unlock a new ability or i find a new character or a new boss fight like there's just so much to fucking uncover and it's just it's wonderful every time i sit down with it i'm finding something new and i'm like 40 hours in right so i mean i beat the main story you get the true ending when you get like 112 percent completion i'm still working towards that but i i definitely want to accomplish that at some point i love the DLC and how kind of seamlessly it's woven in. A mm-hmm. um, lot of like random boss fights that happen along the way. I know the Grim Troop is one that actually stands out, which is really eerie and mystifying where like this troop of bugs comes and you have to kind of do like evil deeds for them and you kind of feel weird about it, but you get like dark powers as a result. And I like the inclusion of the fact that some one of the things that they added to the Void Heart Edition is the ability to like use map markers navigating in that game is difficult at times especially if you don't have a map and a compass for a certain area i couldn't imagine the game without that it it almost becomes like unplayable in certain regards but like uh, unless you're willing to push yourself and push yourself and you know eventually find Mm -hmm. the map or have the compass equipped when you do get it but the map markers allow you to kind of like pinpoint places of interest that you can go back to whether it's like a door you couldn't unlock because you didn't have an ability or a boss fight that you couldn't fucking travail over so a lot of things that kind of add to the accessibility of the game and really help you in a lot of ways but yeah hollow knight it's we've talked about in a lot of episodes i i will scream that it is like one of my favorite no it's my favorite metroidvania of all time of all fucking time yeah Boy, it's great. Take that to Symphony of the Night, you 1997 jabroni. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I'm a big fan of Metroidvanias, and this one stands mm. out to me. Just very, very, just screams at me. Mm. If you like Metroidvania, that is the creme de la creme of them. Well, it is a Metroidvania with a lot of interesting mm. elements, like the art style, and then the way it tries to tell its story in that sort of like embedded Dark Souls lore, where it's like, mm-hmm. we're going to give you contextual stuff, or little notes here and there, or little like pieces of this game's history, and you're going to unravel it as you go along. And you do like have a lot of your questions answered along the way. It's it's very rewarding to sit down with it. I like it. I, it's, I, I bought it twice. I did too. The game's so nice, I bought it twice. <laughs> 
My number three is, I don't know if we talked about this one, Monster Hunter World. Oh. It's, it ranks higher up there for me because it's one of the games that, uh, save roommates, when we were on a hiatus, when our creative juices were just not juicing, uh, I wasn't playing games. Mm-hmm. I just, for the longest time, I wasn't playing any games. I was dealing with some stuff. And this was the first game to kind of like pull me out of that. It was like, what is this? This is cool. I was like, you've never got to play a Monster Hunter before it. And the whole, let's get a group together. Let's go after these gigantic beasts. We need to work together to take this motherfucker down. Mm -hmm. That shit just spoke to me. I was like, wow, this is giving me the good vibes of Destiny that, you know, eventually overstayed their welcome in Destiny 1 and 2. Monster Hunter had it for me. I was like, oh, shit, this is interesting. It's a surprise every time, too. You may be going after the same monster, but you don't know how it's going to react. You don't know when it's going to run. You don't know if it's going to get trapped in the environment or if you're going to get fucking trapped or something crazy is going to happen. You just don't know. Hell, if you're trying to solo it, and then decide that, hey, I want to shoot a flare-up to get maybe some online players that I don't know in here. You don't know if they're going to get murdered the second that they land. Which happens a lot, by the way. Any of the fucking, like, when the, the Rathalo shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just see it like, oh this dude died, this dude died. And usually, like, when you do um, group missions like that, there's a limit of, like, death. So it's like, you might have up to three deaths. Yeah. And, like, it counts for everybody. Yeah, it counts for everybody and then it's done. <laughs> so there, there is an inherent challenge to it and it makes you want to get better and it rewards you very immediately. Every mm-hmm. fight, you get more shit to craft with and use and increase your uh, armor, make your weapons better. It had a kind of a crazy tree to, like, upgrade weapons and mm-hmm. stuff, but eventually it made sense and you realize that, hey, I want these parts because this is going to make a really badass bone sword, mm-hmm. essentially. Go back out there, hunt something gigantic and impossible with... It has wonderful graphics, by the way. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, like, it's a good-looking game. The particle effects when fucking they're shooting fire down on you yeah. and, or you get stunned and you're like, oh, God, what's going to happen to me now? <laughs> or I love the fact that it also feels like this kind of breathing world. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just feel like, here's a map, go hunt something. It feels like you, you watch some of these giant creatures like eating other creatures in the environment because that's what they do, homie. Mm-hmm. They're animals, son. They're monsters. They're real things in this in this fiction it's cool you really do feel like you're being thrown into an existing breathing world Mm -hmm. and not just like a golden eye (laughs) no they do a great job at realizing it and making it feel alive yeah it just it it felt like a special thing and i feel like this is capcom has always had a little bit of magic behind the series and Mm -hmm. they finally found a way to communicate that to a wider audience smartest thing they did was just say let's put it on every console you know put on the big consoles I, I just really enjoyed it, and it came at a time when I needed something like mm-hmm. it, whereas like other games just weren't doing it for me. It's just this game, for some reason, its loop is so... like I could play that loop for a long time, and we did. Even though it's the same thing, I feel like it solved what Destiny couldn't. Mm-hmm. Destiny had you stuck on story missions. It started as, like, this is pretty cool, got ghosts telling me some backstory behind this, neat, oh crazy boss at the end of it became really trite yes. and boring and repetitive by the fucking 19th time that you're doing that mission to grind out for more gear hearing ghosts spit out the same bullshit in your ear and fighting the same goddamn fights 
Monster Hunter keeps it interesting in that, hey, you don't know what that monster is going to do, <laughs> you know? And, or, hey, this one might be a giant one. There's different sizes yes. that you need to go after. Or this one might be fucking tempered. Oh, <laughs> he's stronger than ever. You're going to need all of your best gear. And there's kind of a learning curve to that. Mm. You can't always apply the same... I have this set up and it's going to work against every monster. Mm-hmm. Hell no. You you have to like equip the right stuff to fight certain mon- like maybe they have more armor on them. Mm-hmm. You need some armor breaking shit, you know? Maybe they're prone to g- giving a lot of poison damage. You know, you need something that makes you not fucking vomit out your small intestine mm-hmm. because of all the iguana poison going on everywhere. You got to do this shit and it's it's interesting to learn those mechanics and you feel like you're like you said you're getting better at the game as you go on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, ended up being one of my favorite games of the year. I think the only thing that like kind of frustrated me about it is um, it's hard to sometimes determine where a monster's health is at. There are little right. like tell signs like on the, the map where it'll be like, it'll show the monster, it'll be a normal color, and then it'll go to like, it'll have like a little green tier mark or it'll show like a red thing around it. Like <laughs> green tier. I, I forget what, what the indicators are, but like there are little yeah. indicators on the map and then you'll see the monster slowing down or limping as you like kind of hack at certain body parts. And like, you really had to pay attention to it because there was no visible like health pool otherwise. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to trap them. Yeah. You need to like look out for the limping or that it's tired and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. I, do you think that game would be way better if there was just like, here's my health bar. I know what's up. Not really. I, I just wish there was a better way to signal, like, stages of health in an enemy, is all. I heard that the, eventually you get a health bar that you can see. Okay. I've never seen anything like that. In fact, it may have just been in an older game that somebody told me about. Okay. It's hearsay, yeah. as far as I'm aware, okay? okay? I think I Googled it once, and I was like, where's the health bars on these goddamn <laughs> monsters? Now, it explains to you. I was like, look at the mini-map, <laughs> and it, it kind of shows you all that stuff there, but... Yeah. I feel you. What's your number two? My number two is Insomniac's marvel spider-man for the ps4 <laughs> god we love this game we had a whole episode talking about how much we love this game whole we episode. talked about this game probably non-stop since it came out haven't played it non-stop no but it was definitely one of those games where like whenever i wasn't playing it i wanted to be playing it. i know there was something really addictive about the gameplay whether it was traversing across the buildings and web slinging or the combat or just how like fast and fluid it all felt like it was just like there was something exciting about playing a spider-man and and having the arsenal and and abilities that i had it it felt great to have in my hands every fucking time that that version of new york is really well realized in spider-man and marvel lore which i love i mean i've been to new york a few times so i've seen i've seen a lot of the stuff there but to see it kind of fleshed in this like marvel mold like really kind of served me as a a recent hardcore fan of marvel properties marvel mold yeah it's (laughs) it's great it's a really really special game um if you if you want to look at pete himself he's very well realized by um Yuri Lowenthal, a lot of great performances there from him, whether it's like you've talked about before, the stressed and unstressed dialogue, like between swinging and not swinging, mm-hmm. or his relations with like MJ, the conversations he has with her, or even Doc Ock. Like, he is just so well realized in that world of Spider Man because he's been Spider Man for eight years. The world isn't new to him, and the game doesn't expect us to be new to him either. So, a lot of the stuff that it serves you is just really like it's fanfare for people who have loved the, the series and, and franchise for any amount of time. It's great. Probably the best superhero game I've played since Arkham City. Would you say it edges out Arkham City? Uh, they're, they're different games for me, but. 
I think by the end, I definitely loved Spider-Man a bit more. Yeah. I, I think it's just the, the way that it presents the world to you. And it's... The Batman games are great. I love Batman. The Arkham series is, is phenomenal. But it's all very dark. The color palettes <laughs> are dark. Yeah. It's, it's alive with, like, you know, the Asylum... Oh, I'm sorry, the the Arkham cast, all the villains, like, the thugs, like, it's it's alive in that way. But Spider-Man is alive in so many other ways, like, with its robust cast, or its colors, or its sound design, or the way the characters react to you. Like, it's just, it all feels very reactionary, where it's like, I feel like if maybe Arkham City came out this gen, it would probably lean yeah. into that a little more. I, I think kind of the the bigger differences especially when like batman's rogue gallery is set up against spider-man's you'll find a lot of batman's it's based off of like psychosis mm. and trauma and that's like you know they're yeah. all like operating in the underworld mm. or the crime underbelly and that kind of informs the darkness of the story where spider-man a lot of them are steeped in technology mm-hmm. and idealism and it's some of it's like frankenstein stories of shit mm. just gone wrong and things that like could have been prevented but weren't prevented and stuff so like some of that color and and just vibrancy carries through a mm. lot more easily and it's finally a game that nails it gets that about spider-man yeah. mythos no i i love the the arkham rogues gallery for sure like the way they present those those characters is awesome, especially mm-hmm. like in a in Asylum. But the way they do it in, in Spider Man is is way different. Yeah, and like the way you you even come across like the Rogues Gallery through his own history, like through the backpack collectibles. Like it those tells are the best. it tells a story of his history with the fights he's had or the things he's come yeah. across. And I don't know. A lot of games have a lot of open world games rather have collectibles that are just there to be there. But like I feel like every collectible in this game really served a major point of of fan lore or purpose it wasn't there just to be there and every i love going after everything i could go after like every backpack like i wish there were, i always say i wish there were 50 more <laughs> you know <laughs> that's the one thing that we kept on saying which is like i just wish there's more of this game mm-hmm. where we got games like assassin's creed which want to fucking have you play it forever yeah spider-man's like in and out and I, I can't decide of whether or not that's like the beauty of the game that it really doesn't overstay its welcome it doesn't fucking pad itself out in Mm. any sort of way i mean because we began to see that with the dlc a little bit we're just like "Ah, okay (laughs) kind of just more of this game and Mm. we were screaming for that but for some reason not like this i don't know why for me spider-man's my number two it could have easily flipped with my number one at times because they're both like they're both good stories but like they're they're not like end all be all like they're not last of us level for me they're not like crazy out of the park stories like they they have simple narrative threads that move them along but it's more about the experience and journey along the way or cast of characters that help make the story more enriched Mm -hmm. like case in point like spider-man like the story that evolves with you and Otto over time or you and mj over time it's just so compelling to watch and it's endearing in some ways it's heartbreaking on other ways it's just Mm -hmm. you see this this man straddling this life that he's been doing for so long and you see how at odds end he is with that times because like he he wants to live both lives but the, it's the intersection that comes crashing that makes it hard for him to juggle it you know mm-hmm. i love it it's a phenomenal game and i i am interested to see what they're going to do with the sequel because in the last act i think that's when the story was like at its finest for me like when you have the sinister sticks kind of coming to a head and you have all the stuff with auto unfolding and you're mm. like yeah this is this is cooking for me in a way that like you know the movies have or 
some of the the tv episodes however the comic lines and and the stuff that they leave you those loose threads at the end that kind of feed into a sequel i'm like you have my interest i want to know more i want to play more you know even if with a sequel if they came out and it was like mechanically the same but it had a different story i'd be okay with that because like on a mechanical gameplay level there's nothing wrong with the game it's it's perfect i wouldn't put him past that to just kind of be like we got the core right we yeah fix a few few mechanics here and there but essentially we're just going to tell you another story using this great great gameplay yeah i couldn't imagine them doing anything crazy like saying like oh we're not going to be in new york in the sequel mm. you know like do a do a spider-man what is it called far, far from, from home. home and just be like oh we're in a different fucking city that would be like an eye-opener like how do you make that work? Yeah. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. No, I, I wouldn't be mad if they tried it, but if they gave us more of New York and kind of mm-hmm. increase the scope of the map a little bit, I'd be fine with it. Let me walk into a pizza shop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let me get in. Let me get up a slice of pie and swing around with it. Or if not, let me just beat up some thugs in a pizza shop. <laughs> this game's too good where the only thing we're just like, well, I guess I would want to see uh, my character eat pizza in real time. <laughs> it's like, I got no complaints. I don't know. You do get a, a moment where he's eating like, what, a hot dog or a corn dog yeah, with his mask half off. And it just feels so true to to Pete Parker and Spider-Man and him just like hanging out and doing his thing. And then it's like, oh, I got a distress call. I got to kind of, I got to <laughs> go now. And it's just, you see him jump back and forth between those, the duality of that life. And it's, it's well fleshed out, well realized, and we didn't think we were going to get it quite the way that we did because you were you were worried that because of like all the recent Spider-Man stuff or the flack that like maybe it wouldn't land the way that it did, but it landed exactly the way we needed it to. It landed exactly how. The only thing I was concerned was like, eh, hey, maybe the story might be whack yeah. or something. Like we might get like a mechanically really great Spider-Man game, yeah. and then just get kind of a weak story. But no, I really like yeah. Insomniac's rendition of Pete. I think they get it. It's not necessarily one interpretation or another but it's kind of like a a cross point of like what do we know about peter parker and what would he be like if x y and z Mm -hmm. and this story is that and i'm like oh shit and it really does explore pete whereas versus arkham city doesn't really want to talk about batman i think that's the most interesting thing it's a batman game that doesn't want to talk about batman Mm -hmm. does not care to talk about batman and maybe that's what makes those games work you know the movies are kind of uneven about that Bruce Wayne is sad. How do we really capture this? You know, the games didn't give a shit about that. But a Spider-Man story, and Insomniac understood, is about Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, about mm. their worlds colliding. Those are the best stories for Spider-Man, they always say. Not just him in the mask, and not just him as Pete. Need to do it together. That's what that character is. So I think they nailed it. My number two on here, Daniel. Not to say it's a piece of shit, it's just second ranked. Okay. God of War. Now, God of War, we were talking about Corey earlier. We're going to talk about Corey's baby. His baby is a reboot, um, sort of, of God of War. I, I, I would say it's more of a conceptual reboot versus a thematic or story reboot. Because it is, it is in the continuity of the first three games, but we it takes place years and years after the fact. We pick up with an older Kratos, and oh, lo and behold, he has a kid. Y'all know this. But that is the core dynamic that really makes it the the fucking difference maker in this game watching that relationship seeing how how kratos is awkward through it he's probably not prime father material you know but he's trying and atreus is trying to learn you know it's it's interesting that that dichotomy that you see evolve and the game starts with a shared loss between them Mm -hmm. you know kratos loses his wife and atreus loses his mom and 
that's like the elephant in the room in the entire story and they know that they need to be together more than ever and you you kind of spend time figuring out who needs more who you know or who needs more of the other and it's god that core dynamic just works and you never in a million years could you walk up to me and say hey god of war 4 is going to be about a father and son and we're going to make it work i would have been like i don't know how you're going to do that yeah in 2007 2008 you could have never told us that i don't know how you're going to do that (laughs) but the way that they managed it was it wasn't just having a very good story it was about having a very good everything Mm -hmm. the combat is amazing your axe its mechanics its throwback it's it's what what is the axe called in the game the again? leviathan axe it's been so long since i've actually sat yeah. it's been since like fucking april since i sat down and got a war yeah I beat it and i was done i did some of the new game plus and it was it was really great to go back through it but like there was not a moment in that game where i'm just like i'm not enjoying myself no mm-hmm. every moment of that game i'm just like it is so well manufactured it is so every piece is there for a reason and they all tie together and it is a seamless experience that never wastes your time in any sort of way the story hits hard the gameplay hits hard the puzzles hit hard and it gives you a kind of complete story that's going to branch off to something else Mm -hmm. and maybe that's a little disappointing for some people because it it feels like they built up to a lot of things and then you realize oh this is a franchise again yeah (laughs) (laughs) this isn't them capping off god of war this is them kicking it off Mm -hmm. this is but this is the direction to go through this is what i want going forward because i loved everything that they showed me i loved kratos's characterization in this it's watching him struggle to be a dad I would never have figured it would be a delight. Mm-hmm. A gaming delight. It's kind of endearing to see him go from like kind of curmudgeon dad to like charming father at moments. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. And then, you know, the supporting cast is fucking excellent mm-hmm. as well. You have Mimir. You have, you run into Balder tatted up and trying to fucking rile shit up with the old man mm-hmm. <laughs> with the baby boomers essentially it's i i love the interactions in this and i love the way that kratos is definitely that clint eastwood past his prime kind of character where it's like i don't want to get dragged in the shit but i will finish shit if you start it i enjoy that characterization i i think it's excellent writing excellent sound design excellent excellent combat probably probably the best combat this year I will say, out of all the games I've played, the combat is the most excellent in God of War. I'm not going to argue with you about that at all, actually. (laughs) Super interesting, super fun to to get into. And hey, thank you, Sony Santa Monica. You could actually switch up the controller if you don't like the Dark Souls vibe of having the shoulder buttons be attacked. Mm. I dug it, actually. I stuck with that shit. I did, too. It it just fit for me. I was like, oh, that makes sense with the retraction of the Leviathan Axe Mm -hmm. to have the, the attacks on the shoulder buttons. Thank you, Miyazaki, for leading this industry into a new dawn. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's it's one of my favorite games this year. The only unfortunate thing about it is that it's such a complete package that there's not a whole hell of a lot of reason to continue replaying it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I guess that's why it wouldn't be my number one. Okay. I guess that's a bad argument because my number one is kind of the same way where it's like, hey, when you're done with it, you're done with it. But it speaks to single player experiences. They don't need to be these evergreen Mm -hmm. games that you always have to return to. It puts one good foot forward Mm -hmm. and that's all it needs to. It completed its design goals. It set out what it wanted to achieve, and that's what these single-player games did this year. Mm-hmm. In a, in an age where they tell us single-player is dead, Daniel. Now, the, 2018 was the year of realizing that single-player is very much alive still. 
I know. You, you going to give it to me now? I'm going to give you my number one, which is your number two. Ah. It, it's it's God of War. It's you, God of War. You guys knew this was coming. It's not only like my game of the year, but it's probably one of my favorite games of the generation. Just a sound out experience from start to finish. To see a character like Kratos go through the sort of meditative, introspective transformation from steroidal madman, always trying to kill and seek vengeance <laughs> to like, I need to make yeah. right with my past and move forward in a way that feels appropriate. I love seeing him straddle his past in every regard, whether it's the moments with Atreus where he knew he was hiding something and he didn't want him to find out because he thought it would ruin their, the dynamic of their relationship, or moments like where Balder shows up and he's like, hey, I know who you are. And it's Kratos' Kratos's biggest fear is like his past catching up to him mm-hmm, in some regard. Mm-hmm. And that only gets straddled and dealt with in, in more interesting ways as like the narrative chugs along. I will say... The story on a baseline is very, very simple, mm-hmm. but it's what they do with it along the way that makes it feel great, makes it feel larger than life, makes it feel like an adventure. The start of the story is like you are literally paying respect to the death of your your mother and Kratos's wife, and you are going to go scatter her ashes on the highest point in Midgar because those were her dying wishes, and that's what uh, Atreus wants to do to remember her. And, you know, at the base, there's not a lot of intrigue in that you know it's Mm -hmm. like okay you could have done like a two-hour indie game about that and had it be one and done but instead they took this 30 to 40 hour experience and bred life in it with its cast of norse characters or the world that is reacting to to kratos in a way that you haven't seen a world react to him before i i think that's actually one of the smarter decisions (laughs) that they made to take in that reined in scope to their narrative Mm -hmm. versus like let's have this really sweeping complicated moving parts narrative like Mm -hmm. no 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 this is a simple goal, and we think that's enough of a catalyst for interesting dynamics between our characters. And they're right. That was the right gamble to make. I, I agree. The problem with the original trilogy was they are always trying to figure out ways to up the last thing they did. Yeah. Up the last big set piece. Make it bigger. More adrenaline filled and this and that. And it's like, you you did it, and it, it worked, but it felt cheap at times. It's like, I'm just playing sure. from big set piece to big set piece. There are big moments in this game. There's a, a moment where you're getting chased down a mountain by a dragon. There are <laughs> larger-than-life boss fights with, with Baldur here and there. Hell, you even go so far as um, fighting Valkyries. And that's, that's something that it just it feels so big to be involved with. To be awakening like these Valkyrie spirits and and putting their vengeance to to rest. I love that that was side mission stuff because it's like some of the more fulfilling side mission things yeah. I've done in a video game. Those mm-hmm. fights test your limits. Mm-hmm. They test your timing and they make you better at the rest of that fucking yeah. game. It's so fun. Yeah, there was there was a lot of replay mm-hmm. and, and challenge to to be had with that. I love this game because it does things that are unfamiliar to the God of War series. It kind of had like a soft RPG feel to it. Um, it had armor sets that you can customize. It had closed um, circuit open world parts where you can navigate and do like a limited run of like side missions and you can explore and do collectibles. And it all felt just very purposeful and well thought out. And yeah, sure, games have done that before, but it's all in how it puts you in it and the way it lets you play with it. Like having the combat be as great as it did was so rewarding. If the combat wasn't 
good i'd be like well yeah exactly okay it'd be like oh, but like the rest it, don't really check me forward here. but it's like you said like the, the leviathan axe is is amazing it's one of the best weapons I've, I've ever gotten to play with and it's so simple it's just an axe you can cut people up with it you can deflect with it you can throw it and when you retract it you hear it on your touchpad like, oh, it's such a tactile experience and, you, you feel yeah. the axe in the game and then you get sort of like a dynamic combat later on when mm-hmm. you get an, uh, you get another weapon that kind of helps you vary it out and you're like okay there's a bit more depth to the combat field here granted they do a lot to to make it feel grounded and anchored by fixing the camera over the shoulder it's not as floaty as previous god of wars Mm -hmm. and actually sometimes i wanted to be able to be a little more freeform in what i could do like god of war three two the earlier ones i'm like oh i feel like i could jump to this ledge and and do this thing where it's like no a lot of the choices in this god of war 2018 were deliberate it's like you'll know when you can expressly like climb up something mm-hmm. because it's like marked a certain way. Like it's usually marked in yellow, but otherwise like you're very grounded in the world. And I think that's a, a very deliberate and smart way to tell a more reined in story. But yeah, I, I didn't always like agree with it, but it, it, it landed, you know, I, it's one of the most pitch perfectly paced games mm-hmm. to the point where I compare it to only one other game that has pitch perfect pacing resident evil 4 yeah very similar in those regards you've been hailing that one for such a long time resident evil 4 everyone's been hailing it for such a long time i'm not the only one beating that leon s drum okay now we have come to my number one here we are it's the end of the road and i hope you've had the time of your life <laughs> number one would be insomniac's marvel spider-man for your old kevmeister twip 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 uh that should be an obvious one when i look back at a game that gave me just sheer enjoyment from start to finish the most enjoyment that i've had this year it's spider-man same it it just it is a kinetic thrill ride i will I will refrain from saying it makes you feel like Spider-Man because every fucking journo out there has already said that. But We've said it. Duh, it makes you feel like Spider-Man. And when I mean to say that, they got the web swinging right. It got not. It got the fighting right. It got swinging through the city right. It got. It, it got his world right. It got his interactions with other characters. It, it, I liked what they did with MJ. I liked what they did with. Otto Octavius, we were talking about that earlier, that relationship and how they build that up. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a slow burn where you know it's a collision course, but it is, it's so hard to look away from. Mm-hmm. I love that Insomniac played with that, subverted things that we knew about Spider-Man, and then surprised us with the things that we didn't in the story. Very cool, very cool fucking take on the character, mm-hmm. but still fa- feels very respectful and spider-man they got spider-man right buddy they did it through and through it took this many years for us to get this fucking close to the best spider-man game i know everyone wants to hail spider-man too but go Mm -hmm. ahead and go spool that bad boy up again on your gamecube slash ps2 does not hold up i will warn you but they did it in such a way with so much finesse and style and and Mm -hmm. so many nods to like spider-man history that like it made it all land it all of it all of it just 
fucking lands. I feel like I'm in Spidey's world. Mm -hmm. Whether it's just strolling by the Avengers Tower that's in the middle of New York, Mm -hmm. they're not even in the game. That's not the focus. That just happens to be a part of Spidey's world. Mm -hmm. They're respecting that. You know, or like you were saying earlier, the backpack stuff that gives you a sense of the history. Because I I love the best choice that they made was picking up this character when he's about 26. Mm -hmm. Like he's already been doing this for quite some time and he is not green at it. Mm -hmm. He can fight. He can swing. He does everything a spider can who is also a man. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) we go on this kind of this adventure about where you really see what it's like for him to struggle against his two worlds. And that's the most interesting thing in this game. Mm -hmm. Like Pete helping Otto and then watching that just kind of fall apart is heartbreaking. You know, you get spoiler time, but we've already talked about the spoiler before in the show. But of course, we're talking about best games. Here's a spoiler. My favorite moment is when you finally get to the fight with Otto. He's obviously Doc Ock and you realize he's been pulling the strings for quite a long time. And he's known that Pete is Mm Spider-Man and he still kept him at his side, maybe because he thought he was brilliant whatever but he obviously did not give a shit about my dude's moral fortitude Mm -hmm. because he's out there doing crimes and setting up the sinister six because my dude's going crazier and crazier because he has a degenerative uh, brain disease essentially and that one moment where they're looking at each other and Pete's just like wait you knew you knew (laughs) there's so much power and so much comic drama to Mm -hmm. that it's something that only the best comics and the best movies have ever been able to exemplify in this game hit it you know, I, I just was like, fuck yeah. The, it came, it pays off everything it sets up, and then it keeps you hooked in the things that it doesn't pay off. Like the Miles arc, and what's going on with Black Cat eventually in the DLC. Where's that going to go? I'm happy to figure out what Insomniac shows mm-hmm. me down the road. They got a franchise on their hands. They baby. do. They do. They do. And it's the most fun I had all year, man. I, I couldn't stop playing it. I burned through it. And it's why I had to put it down like for a little while, because I was like, I've done everything. You literally like hundred percented it within four or five days. Yeah, like four days. Yeah, there was uh, there was some midnight oil being burned on uh, both wicks, there. which is surprising because like you spent so much time getting distracted. I didn't talk about this, but like the photo mode derailed us every other minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I I have no less than four gigabytes of just photos <laughs> and video that I took of this game. Mm-hmm. I had to, man. They get they gave us one of the best photo modes in gaming. Quick and simple to use, and mm-hmm. you can fuck with it how you want. You look like an expert by the end of these photos well i love that it gets played into by the fact that pete himself is a photographer so it doesn't feel out of place i know it it all ties into itself it's good it's it's not just good it's great it's spectacular amazing even incredible i don't think incredible is one of them okay (laughs) (laughs) it's it's hulk it's a great game a save room best of if you will Mm -hmm. and it I don't know. It just had so much content that was like worth biting into every time. Even if after a while I felt a little like winded by some of like the gang activities or, you know, fights that I had to do over and over for the platinum. That's just how Spidey feels. Exactly. But if I didn't want to do that, I didn't have to. If I didn't do that stuff, I still would have walked away with a 10 out of 10 game, you know? That's true. 10 out of 10, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I I can't come at that game for anything besides I wanted way more of it. Mm -hmm. But I think they were smart. I think it might have overstayed its welcome. And like I said earlier, the DLC doesn't quite hit the mark for me. And I'm like, I've been wondering why about that. Because I was like, it's more of the same. Yeah. But maybe maybe I wanted something a little different from the DLC to make it like, oomph. Like, why am I spending extra money on this? Mm. It really is just, here's some extra chapters. That's fine enough, I guess. But the main ga- it doesn't solely the fact that the main game is 
fucking great. Pitch perfect for me. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my game of the year. Nice. I mean, honestly, mine and yours respectively, they're two of the best games of this year and generation. So to say one is number one or number two, it really like it isn't saying anything bad about either because they're both phenomenal. Like for me, like I said mm-hmm. before, either they could have flipped at any point, but I think it's just like God of War resonated with me from the beginning and it stuck with me for seven months after. Hell, they might be like they're both our number ones essentially. Exactly. Yeah, you know, they're. This, this is just an arbitrary numbering system mm-hmm. for no reason. These are all just our favorite games of the year. Sure. These are the ones that fucking stood out the most to us. But if we had to get like a law of averages going, right, and say like what the defining save room game of the year is. Oh, shit. Hang which, on, man. Which one do you think it would be? Of okay, so if we combine the lists, because we have a lot of overlap here. Okay. But if we kind of like look at the, oof, if we do a TP90 on this, we might be able to, okay. to, to average that. Okay, hang on. I'm doing the math. Okay, I got it. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Looks like our save room game of the year, if you combine both of our lists and try to spit out one game that is the best of 2018, is Bloodborne. Whoa, holy shit. Yeah, dude, Bloodborne's the best game of 2018. Huh. Damn, who snuck that one on there? I don't know. I don't even know how that works, but I guess if you combine the best parts of each of these games, yeah, it just yeah. comes out to Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> Bloodborne was our favorite backlog game of this year. <laughs> yeah, that, that that should have been the superlative to give it. But honestly, when I the best time that I've had with a video game this year was Bloodborne for me, man. It was one of my favorite times and one of my most frustrating times. But yeah. I, I loved it because it's it's what I like about games. It's very challenging and it requires mm-hmm. you to master its sets to be able to progress and get good at it. That was the thing. I had to master that game and learn every inch of it. Mm-hmm. And I was I just got stuck on this hp lovecraft rabbit hole when you look into the mouth of madness it looks back at you mm. that kind of shit happened <laughs> to me man where i was just like reading up every wiki for every boss every character seeing how things tie in and then figuring out that we don't have a definitive answer for any one portion of the bloodborne universe it's all just kind of like speculation and fan theory tied with like circumstantial evidence and it's like kind of you walk away with like so what do you think bloodborne was about <laughs> It's so interesting. I it was one of my favorite experiences, and I'm so glad that we like went back to it this year. Mm-hmm. We're just like, let's actually hunker down and try to get through this real style. Do all the extra bosses, get through the stupid Temerian dungeons, mm-hmm. which that was the enjoyment blocker in my mind. Yeah, that that was the grindstone that really kind of made me yeah. hate the game at times. That, that was the one. You're literally grinding for resources to create <laughs> dungeons to go further and it's all for a stupid trophy but yeah but i i gotta tell you bloodborne is one of my favorites this generation Mm -hmm. for sure this generation it would be be in the top five of this generation it's one of the best ps4 exclusives like bar none oh absolutely yeah Yeah. and it's it's hard to recommend for everybody right you know like some people would be so just like i i'm not gonna go through this masochistic death simulator (laughs) i cannot recommend this game to half of my friends unless like they're into miyazaki games or like dark souls in the first place and they haven't played it then i can recommend it but like i wouldn't casually recommend this to like you know my uncle or somebody who like maybe plays like overwatch like once a week you know it's a it's a hard wreck right yeah. it's a hard wreck to just walk in and be like what do you like to play usually yeah. hmm Fortnite, huh well i have this one game that's about these eldritch horrors <laughs> <laughs> it just it in essence reminds me of the games i liked growing up like games that just fucking challenged you at every yeah. corner like in back then it was just platformers or it's like sort of adventure games that did that but like this is kind of an adventure light action rpg that mm-hmm. just 
oh, it's all about strategy. It's all about getting better. It's all about the grind. And it, it was worth it. You know? It really was. We did it, though. We got those platinums. We popped those plats in 2018. We did. I got, a, I got a few great Platinums this year. You did. Bloodborne, God of War, Donut County, Spider-Man. I don't think I got any Plat that you didn't get this year, right? This year, no. Yeah, we're kind of matched there. Kind of matched in the Plats. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that concludes our Game of the Year conversation. Thank you for sitting through it. Thank you for getting through it. I know it's a lot, but, uh, you know, you, you got to hear us talk about games that we've already talked about a hundred times. So we wanted to kind of close this episode out with some special shout outs and end of the year housekeeping. Sure. You want to just go back and forth on it? Well, this has been The Save Room. Mm -hmm. You can find us on SoundCloud.com slash The Save Room Show. That is our home. Mm -hmm. But if you don't like SoundCloud for some reason, I don't think the app is very good no i don't think it is either and it doesn't play very well in browser no, they're gonna pull us off when they hear this <laughs> you can find us on spotify itunes google play stitcher and a few other services but those are the main ones mm-hmm. check them out uh if you want to leave a rating or a comment do what you will yeah. otherwise you can find us on twitter at save room show i hurt my hand on the stream table oh no yeah ouch he's mad thinking about the video games but no like he said please if you're able to leave us a rating that will help us kind of get like increased visibility on itunes and other platforms so more people like you can you know find us and we can kind of increase our audience it's true we want to keep on doing this show through 2019 we want to evolve we want to do different things and we couldn't do that without your support exactly um and then you can also find us in our streaming endeavors like he said before streaming was one of our big ventures this year i got harder into it you you got harder you you set yourself a a schedule and you became uh an affiliate and you hit some milestones yourself so you know if if you're interested in that or you haven't already checked us out you can find kevin over at twitch.tv slash the red herb he streams everything because he's a variety streamer and a mood gamer like i am don't label me dude you don't like the labels but you know i'll never call you a gamer Oh, thank you. <laughs> and you can find me over at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. My big goal for 2019 is, I guess, just to get a camera. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's that's our thing, right? And just to get my face in yeah. there and, and maybe set up like a consistent one or two day a week schedule because I fall off with it pretty hard. Just try to set one day a week where you play just Overwatch, right? Yeah. <laughs> at least. So we have some special shout outs. These were... I guess friends of the show and then some acquaintances of the show, but you've all made this worth doing. You've supported the save room. You found something that you liked in it. Don't know why. You all pretty much complained that it was too long. <laughs> yeah, this one's gonna, ooh, it's gonna grind a bone with you guys. Oh yeah, it's gonna grind a bone, all right. But I want to run through this list. I want to give a shout out to Chelsea Heck of Bad. Mm. Thank you for not just supporting the show, but supporting our stream ad- adventures and mm. also supporting us on Twitter and interacting with us. You've been super cool. Yeah. She is the queen of everything that is you so if you have a question about yakuza send it her way she knows more than the people that made it i would say yakuza and fallout are her wheelhouses and she got further in fallout 76 than we did much further but much respect to her for listening to our episodes starting over the summer and then like retweeting our stuff and reposting and and just helping us out there you've been a cool participant and fan to have a cool participant and fan to have. Yes. That, that's the letter that we said. <laughs> you have been a cool participant. <laughs> Next one on here is Vargi J. I, I still don't know if he wants his full name, like, blasted out there. What's Probably not. Vargi? He's just Vargi. Vargi is a longtime supporter. He was there since the fucking beginning. He's been with us since episode one. Yeah, he's, he's... my he's my mod on Twitch. Yeah, he's been there in episode one. Uh, he, he taught us about hosting. He is it's such valuable opinions. He drops our way and these suggestions and support, and he's he's helped my stream game get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also definitely, definitely like 
introduced people to our podcast that wouldn't have found it otherwise. So mm-hmm. really big thank you, Vargi, for that one. Uh, another person we have on here is Amy King, really lovely human being. Um, she's based out of Washington. She is a content creator. You can find her work over at patreon.com slash Amy. So she's got a graphic novel that she's had in the works for a while now called, um, Harlow Vanish, really interesting fantasy art style, really emblematic of like her styling. She's great. She has a cool little community about her. Um, and she actually made our logo. If you guys aren't aware, she's the one responsible for that little blue backdrop in the typewriter. And we're thankful for her for putting that together. We, for we us. certainly couldn't have made that. I can't make shit. Not even an MS paint. So yeah, we've been using that forever. No, she, she's great. You should definitely give her a follow and some support because she's one of the more genuine people I've encountered doing this. And she's a great content creator. Bar none. Next one I got on here is, of course, TylerMan19. He has been in every stream that I have started, like, for the last six months. Mm -hmm. He's been a very ardent supporter. And uh, fun fact about Tyler, one, he respects women, and two, Resident Evil 6 is his favorite game of all time. And if you ever encounter him online, just ask him about it. He'll tell you all about how much he loves Resident Evil 6. the second best-selling Resident Evil game of all time. If you needed something to get him for the holidays, get him that. Get him that again. He's been collecting more and more copies of it, so please get him that game. I wanted to shout out my dude vernon t yo what he he became a follower via my hollow knight streams on twitch really cool chill dude awesome to talk to you about like video games whether it's just like talking about them on a baseline gameplay level or like behind the scenes industry stuff really great person to have um kind of peek into our community and, and hang out in our streams and support our podcast so i i'm thankful for him this year for sure good dude he, he hops in my streams too mm-hmm. This is a shout out for you too. Okay, so this next one, because Kevin always has to change the the adjective on it, but uh, we're we're gonna shout out the indomitable Uncle David, uh, just just for you know being awesome and and supporting not just this, but literally like every creative endeavor I've ever had. Um, he he always tells me he's like you're one of the smartest people I know, and I want you to succeed. But literally, I'm probably just one of the most creative people he's known. And yeah, I, he listens to this and still says you're one of the smartest people he <laughs> yeah, knows. I was going to say, there's some questionable shit I say. David, you travel in small circles. <laughs> but I, I appreciate him for, for you know, listening throughout the harder days and coming back when we kind of revamped our format and getting on Spotify. And he's one of those people where he was bigger into video games growing up and in his younger adulthood, but has fallen off. And the fact that he's able to kind of follow us and like is like, no, you guys are entertaining. You kind of know what you're talking about. And it listening to you guys every week is interesting even for somebody who doesn't know a lot of the stuff that you you know you kind of know what we're talking about exactly I mean, we kind of kind of have some things and uh I, w- I will shout him out in particularly because i was surprised that he listened every week and one day i'm like oh you know you don't have to listen and he's like i'm a roommate like you know it's just of course i'm gonna listen oh welcome to the fold david yeah you're a safe roommate now all right next guy on here that we're gonna shout out is dave guy one of our good old friends from back in Orlando. Just Dave guy, man. And uh, one one member of Soul Skaters. Oh, God. We skate for fun with Dave, whether it's Destiny or Monster Hunter World or Battlefront or Overwatch. He's our resident go-to. Hey, we need a third. Dave's there. <laughs> he's uh, he's there yeah. way beyond when he should actually go to bed. Yeah. Because he's still on the East Coast and it's always like, hey, wait, so, Dave, what time is he? You're like, oh, it's like 3.40. 
a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what but, the fuck, dude? But he's there playing with us because, like, the, that's the time that he has to do it. And I don't know. It's al- it's always a treat to hang out with him and, and catch up. Turn the game off, Dave. Go to sleep, dude. <laughs> Go to sleep, dude. <laughs> I got a big shout out for Jess. Uh, you can find her at Cylon on Twitter. That's the thing that she promotes. She does a lot of writing stuff that you can check mm. out. She reviews poetry books mainly, but also she's expanding into, like, kind of indie comics, which is going to be pretty cool in 2019. Please check her out. She is been a, another ardent supporter mm-hmm. of the save room and in fact she has guested on two episodes yeah which you can check out and just find them and uh yeah so i really want to appreciate everything you've done for the show yeah. and retweeting us and trying to get the save room boy message out there which we only ruined by being us of course yeah. now she, she's one of our best friends and it's it's awesome to have her kind of be a rotating guest here and there and be on episodes and kind of Add another dimension to, you know, the episodes that we don't otherwise have. Because we have our pit for Pat, but, like, you guys definitely mm-hmm. have a different, like, chemistry and flow going that makes for some interesting conversation unto itself. And, I don't know, I'm always appreciative of people listening, but the fact that she not only listened to our recent stuff, but went all the way back to the beginning and has literally retweeted everything, like, it goes a long way for us. It also helps not to just have opinions from straight white males of course. on the show. So I, I, I like the... the, uh, the different opinions that come out from the conversations we have with Jess. Of course. My next shout out on here goes to Red X mod Michaela um, over at Obelisk. She was kind of like somebody that we came across through Obelisk writing. Um, She did a Twitch how-to article that was Mm -hmm. really cool and she became sort of one of those people that we interacted with pretty heavily on Twitch. She kind of helped us up our game and she's given us raids here and there. Really cool chick awesome writer and great content creator so if you don't follow her on twitch go give her a shout out and give her some love over there yep and check out obelisk they got some great articles about video games what else matters Mm -hmm. not much a big shout out to well kind of funny vids yeah uh you're you guys are the reason why we started this shit took the message of just do the thing Mm -hmm. you know they always say that they're just like go do your thing just start it go don't don't get stuck in your head just go do it and they have been a force of positivity when it comes to influencers and gaming culture and they branch out beyond gaming culture as well because they have an army of best friends Mm -hmm. and everyone who's a fan of kind of funny really is a best friend yeah they have one of the best communities in gaming i have to tell you like bar none i can't disagree with that i've actually made friends through the kind of funny best friend community like yeah uh ginger rose she's an artist based out of uh, jacksonville like you know i met her through the community one of the coolest people and it just it's cool to be able to bond with people over the, the mm-hmm. content and positivity that like greg miller and kind of funny have put out since the beginning they're just this commanding force yeah. and every year they get bigger and bigger and bigger like this year they did the kind of funny uh game showcase mm-hmm. which was awesome mm-hmm. and it was just a showcase for all of the indie games that were kind of depending on psx <laughs> yeah that's literally what it was like psx that's the whole point of it. like sony's like we're not doing it and greg miller's like yeah. okay we got to step in fill that void and do a showcase for people and right it came together mm-hmm. like brilliantly like the editing on it is great it's a good yeah. little hour showcase they're doing like a big thing on january 4th so yeah. by the time this episode goes out you'll know what kind of funny 4.0 is them going into their fourth year Mm -hmm. i'm excited to see what they do it's gonna be fucking great i owe all of my podcasting legs to them whether it's like keeping current on the daily with uh kind of funny games daily that's like my daily dose of like video game news Mm -hmm. or you know when they did ps i love you back in the day with with colin or you know games cast it's like more branching conversations about what they're playing most notably this year their marvel and review series got me more into podcasts like i think because of that 
I listened to more podcasts this year than anything. But I don't know. <laughs> it got me into the mindset of like doing this, being a personality, being entertaining, and talking more feverishly. More, I'm um, sorry. No, I mean that's right. More fer- feverishly more is feverishly what feverishly about like the things we love and are passionate about. So yeah. I don't know. Shout out to them. Like we wouldn't exist without them. And there are a lot of content creators and podcasters who feel the same. Yeah, absolutely. Keep on trucking. Keep on fucking that chicken, guys. Next one on here is, uh, we just want to give a shout out to Jeff Kaplan, who is the sole proprietor of Overwatch. He is a sole contributor uh, to that game and all of its expansions and all of its characters. Jeff, that's a lot of work, buddy. Mm-hmm. You, you get some rest, buddy. You've you done a good goddamn job. Now, that motherfucker got me hooked on loot boxes. Oh, no. I hope he never sleeps another easy night in his life. <laughs> he didn't want to put him in the game, Daniel. <laughs> it was it was Bobby Kotek. He stormed into Jeff's fucking office and he told him, "You got to put these you got to put gambling in it, Jeff." He's chewing on a goddamn cigar and and Jeff's like, "No, I don't want to. I won't do that to the gamers. They will rise up and they won't want rise up in your favor." <laughs> i don't know where that went i don't know either love you jeff love you jeff and i guess the last shout out we got here uh, goes to the dutch you know just, just goes to the dutch thank you for supporting that one episode about plagiarism that we did yeah, back in, <laughs> early in the year yeah i think it was back in august it's our most yeah. paid episode from this year don't understand what about it really just tickled your fancies but we hope to continue to tickle your fancies throughout 2019 mm-hmm. maybe we just do another episode about plagiarism maybe Gotta hope for some more plagiarism in 2019, huh? God, I'm I'm sure we'll get something in the the vein of that. Ah, they already threw Soldier Boy in prison for his his soldier systems. We got nothing. For crimes against Nintendo. (laughs) For crimes against Reggie. (laughs) That's a felony in most states. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that about wraps it up. That does wrap it up, doesn't it? (sighs) Got no more to say. Well, bye. This is the last of 2019. First and last. But as always, thank you guys for listening, putting up with our bullshit and shenanigans. And uh, yeah, hopefully we got a whole nother year of content ahead of us. Oh, get you ready. Oh. Now I'm sleepy. I'm going to sleep in 2019. You're going to sleep? Yeah. That becomes his 365-day coma. Fuck yeah. Wake me up when... Oh no. Fuck. I got to stay awake for January. Oh yeah. Resident Evil. Like You're not sleeping this year. I'm going to go to bed after Resident (laughs) Evil 2, everybody. Wake me up when Call of Duty 8 comes out. (laughs) wake him up from the cryo sleep wake me up from that cryo sleep i want to get out into that blackout mode <laughs> oh shit oh shit the cat's back. <laughs> the cat <laughs> thank you for our producer clementine hello Shout she's out to a you cat for not farting this episode all, all right, right guys thanks for listening we have love a good y'all. night have a good one take it easy <laughs>